Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? How are we all doing this week? My name is Ken M. Thank you so much for joining us. And also joining me in panel, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Conspicuous by his absence, though, is your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Uh, rumor has it he's entrenched deep in the Knicks war room, uh, figuring out what to do with their draft picks. Yeah, he is. This is no lie. He is focused for the NBA draft. The free agency has now taken over in the NBA. He has definitely got his hot takes for it. We're going to see if we can get him on a blog, maybe even a Twitch stream. There is rumor that he might actually go on Twitch about this. I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. But we have to get done with some, talking about some other sports first before we get into all that. So remember, join in the conversation on social media. You can find all our accounts at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Join in on Facebook. Join in on Twitter. Join in on Instagram. Join in on Podchaser. Drop a five-star review while you're there. And always remember, use the hashtag ODPH. Kicking off this week's sports edition, we have to go over the NFL week that was mm-hmm. with our locks and leaps of week 10. So, Pad, kick us off. Uh, yeah, I'm going to start with my lock, and that was the New Orleans Saints to defeat the San Francisco 49ers, which at the time uh, were nine and a half point favorites. Uh, and they ended up winning by the final score of 27 to 13. Uh, Drew Brees, 8 of 13 for 76 yards, uh, one touchdown, no interceptions. Nick Mullins, 24 of 34, uh, 38, excuse me, for 247 yards passing, one touchdown touchdown to interceptions and if you're kind of been off the radar not in the news lately and you're wondering wait a minute that's really low stats for drew Brees. what the hell happened uh he did leave the game i believe it was after halftime or mm-hmm. something like that uh and come to find out he has a couple cracked ribs and a deflated lung so yeah and if you go to his instagram i think it's his instagram he's got a great post uh he's got a crack medical team uh taking care of him and making sure his lung gets the attention it needs uh spoiler alert it's his three kids this is something to worry about if you're a Saints fan. Uh-huh. You don't have a solid backup plan per se. I know Jameis Winston is there. He's got I, good dance moves. I get it, yeah. But if you're going to be missing Drew Brees for an extensive period of time, I, this is some pause for concern. Mm-hmm. This legitimately is. Winston will come in there. He'll he'll throw the ball around. There's oh, no, sure. There's no question about that. Oh, sure. But if you're trying to make a real playoff push – I, this is not saying hit the panic button just yet, but know where it is on the dashboard. Yeah, because, I mean, you can say, and maybe it'll be a better work for Winston since it's, you know, you look at Sean Payton and you and you look at what happened last year when Drew Brees went down. Mm-hmm. And Teddy Bridgewater stepped in and he looked like a diamond. He looked like a million bucks. Maybe the same thing will happen with Jameis Winston. It's it's hard to say just because you look at his time when he was in, in Tampa Bay and he had Mike Evans and he had Chris Godwin. You know, so we had two great receivers there, and, and but it just didn't work out. Maybe it's a case of slightly better coaching staff being in New Orleans with Sean Payton and, and everything they got going down there. Full week of prep. I'm currently uh, digging up uh, who are they playing this coming week. Oh, God, they're playing. Who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? They're playing the Falcons on Sunday, so might be a good game to bring him in and kind of get his feet wet. I have to agree. I think this is a perfect storm for him, per se. Yeah. But long-term is where I'm looking. And obviously, you're hearing a lot of conflicting reports coming out of New Orleans about uh-huh. this. Drew Brees says he's going to be ready to go, which... Yeah, I mean, um, I don't I don't doubt the man, but 
lungs are nothing to play around with. Exactly. This is something at his age, too, bouncing back from a cracked ribs. 41 years old, yeah. Yeah, this is not something that is easy for anybody to do, let alone at his age for his level yeah. of play. Yeah. So if you're New Orleans, obviously you have Winston as your backup. Mm-hmm. Atlanta is a very winnable game. I was saying, and, and the Saints, not necessarily, like you said, don't need to push the panic button yet, but know where it is on the dashboard. You've got an easy next couple of games because, like I mentioned, they're at home this coming Sunday against the Falcons. On uh, week after, they travel to Denver and play the Broncos. Uh, and then week 13, they travel to Atlanta and play the Falcons. Week 14, they travel up to Philly and play the Eagles. So definitely we uh, winnable games, not anything you really need to go, oh, shit, we might lose because we don't have Drew Brees. But the one I think you got to circle, and hopefully he's back by then, uh, is week 15, uh, which is at the end of December. Uh, they are at home against Kansas City. Yeah, he'll, de- he'll definitely need to be back by then. I don't think Winston will want to get into a shootout with Patrick Mahomes. No. And at that point, too, you have to start thinking about playoff seedings uh-huh. and who's going to be locked up, who's not. For New Orleans, they really have a good, easy stretch to win, I'd say, the next four games. Oh, I, I, I yeah. really have to say. Yeah. I know we're talking division games with Atlanta, but like we always talk about, who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? So I don't really sweat them too much. And going to Denver... You never know what team you're going to get out of there. No. I mean, obviously, traveling out to Denver is never easy. Mm-hmm. So, who knows? And then with the NFC East, I don't care anybody in the NFC East. Listen, unless a miracle happens, they're just not doing it this year. Nope. So, who knows? I mean, Philly could be playing spoiler. So, could it's, be. It, it's not going to be, be like completely out of the realm of thought that they win the next three out of four. Right. And obviously, if they do that, that puts them at 10 and three. So, yeah. you're sitting pretty. Yeah, and I mean, I'm looking at the... Uh, playoff standings as they as we sit here recording currently green bay is in first place in the nfc at a seven and two record new orleans is in second place with a the exact same record uh green bay is in first place because they win the tiebreaker uh based on head-to-head win percentage mm-hmm. uh third place is the arizona cardinals who are sitting at six and three and i'm going to look at their just to kind of so i think we both agree that uh saints are going to be able to win the next you know four games we look at arizona their schedule coming up is they got uh seattle this thursday a uh, week after they travel up to New England or, and play the Patriots, then they play the Rams, and then they play the Giants. So I don't think, even if Jameis doesn't play up to par or and they lose a couple of games, I don't necessarily see Arizona kind of flying in there, so to speak, and, and overtaking them. Arizona is capable of it. I want to get into it a little bit later, yeah. but I, I agree with you. I don't think they'll get overtaken by any no. means. But with the Saints, you never know what you're going to have going down the stretch. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, as long as they don't have any more big injuries happening to them, right. they should be okay. I mean, Alvin Kamara does make up for a lot. And obviously, yeah. he put the team My fantasy on his, team would agree with you. Oh, he put the team on his back. I mean, obviously, don't take anything away from the rushing yards of 15. He still had two touchdowns. Right. Receiving-wise, though, 83-1. and one. Oh, yeah. No, that's a great stat line for him. Yeah, so you can't count the Saints out regardless if Drew Brees is going to be going away. But... If you're relying on Winston to win some games, man, mm-hmm. ah, I mean, he's going to sling the rock. That's probably the only yep. thing you can say. Yep. Will it cut you some games? Yeah, it will really cut you yep. because he does have a tendency to throw a lot of interceptions, I believe. Wasn't he the 30-30 and 30 club? Yes. So that's not the club you want to be a part of. No. It's and not the baseball 30-30 club. Yeah, it definitely isn't. I mean, touchdowns and interceptions, yeah, you really don't want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. And then flipping the coin, though, to – the 49ers holy fuck they need garoppolo and kettle yeah holy fuck like uh, mckinnon's doing okay i think he's injured though 
You know, uh, he only had 18 carries for 33 yards, no touchdowns. His longest run wasn't even a first down, and he averaged 1.8 yards per carry. Uh, and then on the flip side, he had one catch for 13 yards. Uh, their leading receiver was Brandon Aliuk, who had seven catches for 75 yards with one touchdown. But holy fuck, this team needs Garoppolo back. This team is a shell of itself, but it's due to injuries. It's yeah. not. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You, we always have to remember this, that this team has been hit so hard by injuries. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the only one maybe worse with players not being on the field for different reasons is the Patriots, yeah. to be honest with you, yeah. with everybody that stayed home for COVID. Yeah. Frisco has just got to chalk the season up as an L. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's nothing to really be upset about nothing also nothing to write home about but this is just showing you and and it's a case with a lot of teams where you know you lose a few key and integral pieces and you don't really have that next man up that can really step in to fill the shoes Mm -hmm. that nobody you know nick mullins had an okay day like i said 24 38 for 247 yards one touchdown two interceptions uh you know but holy fuck they need kettle back which and and that's kind of surprising and, and, and sad that you know your leading receiver and the guy you kind of go to most is a tight end. But that's always been Frisco's offense as of the last couple of years. Yeah. I mean, there, there are some yeah. teams that do that. I mean, obviously, at one point, the Chargers were doing that when they had Antonio Gates. That's true. So it depends on if it works in your system. But the only thing that the other teams had in comparison to how Frisco runs their team, they had reliable wide receivers. Mm-hmm. I mean, this has been the year Debo Samuel's been injured for a, a right. good majority yeah. of the season. That's true. So when you don't have that next man up mentality, and not saying the 49ers don't, no, but when you get on the field and you're not producing, it has to fall somewhere. Right, and you definitely need a receiver to step up because uh, Jerry Rice and Terrell Owens aren't coming through that door anytime soon. Exactly. So they are going to be struggling the rest of the year, and obviously it is what it is. Yeah. I'm not going to rip on them too much because they're injury-plagued. Mm-hmm. If this had just been performance, like in, in flipping the coin to like Jacksonville oh, yeah. or the Jets, it would be a different story. But this is what it is with Frisco. Obviously, they're going to be the one outside looking in this offseason, mm-hmm. and they're going to have to do some major retooling, yeah. I think, in certain areas. But yeah. with John Lynch as their GM, I am not worried about them long term. No. You, you don't have to. When you have that core structure of your front office and your coaching in place, one of the two will carry you through. If you mm-hmm. have both, you're, you're locked. So like I oh, say, yeah. I don't worry about either team in this one. Yeah. Go into your leap, though. Yep, my leap was the Seattle Seahawks to defeat the L.A. Rams. And, well, because I figured, you know what, Seattle's on a roll of late. They'll be able to get some stuff done. D.K. Metcalf might be able to get some catches, you know, burn the, the Rams secondary a little bit. I was a little bit wrong. Uh, the Rams ended up winning by the final score of 23-16. to 16. Jared Goff had 27-37 of 37 for 302 yards passing. No touchdowns, no interceptions. And then Russell Wilson had 22-37 of 37 for 248 yards passing. No touchdowns, two interceptions. The NFC West is the most fun division to watch. Oh, it's bonkers. And it's funny because you think of a couple of years ago, just how bad that was. Oh, that, it was a laughing stock. That that division, it, it was the it, it was the version of the current NFC East. Yes, where you know they were just bad, 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 and through a lot of bad years and a lot of good drafts, it's now one of, if not the best division in all of football. They have three fun teams in their watch, and if Frisco was healthier, it would be four. You got three teams tied for first place, all at six and three. Yeah. That is how good this division is. And without knowing it, looking at numbers and, and trying to figure it out, probably the only reason Arizona's on top is alphabetical. I would say, I would have to agree. It's looking at this team of Seattle, we all had them pegged to go to the Super Bowl yep. and win in some cases too. It's not to say they're out of the realm of thought. No. But the one thing that is the most polarizing question is, what L.A. Rams team will you have show up? Uh-huh. 
And it's something that we can't figure out as fans. No. Because they have talent. It's never said that they don't have talent. They have a lights-out defense, though, oh my for God. the most yeah. part. Yeah, when they want to show up. When they, Exactly, when they want to show up. And if they had a little more consistency, they might have only lost maybe one game this year. Oh, easily. i got to be fact about that. Oh, yeah. But Jared Goff, listen, I am not the biggest fan of him. No. I think that he has flashes of brilliance a lot. Sure. But... He doesn't do it consistently enough to make me say he's an elite quarterback. No. But when he's on, he's on. And I'll give him his due about this. I mean, obviously, 302 yards is nothing to sneeze at. And his wide receiver core is kind of all over the place. I Uh mean, Robert Woods, 33 yards. Higby had 60. Cup had 50 yards. So it's not like anybody was lighting up the stat board. And you know that you had to bring your A game against the Seahawks. Yep. And they did a great job of slowing down. DJ or DK Metcalf. I was gonna say Ramsey shut him down. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey shut him down. Four so, targets. Four targets for two catches, twenty-eight yards, no touchdowns. Yeah, unbelievable. Yo, it, it so like I say, when you have that defense show up, because sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Oh yeah, it's a major swinging factor that if they're going to make a deep run again in the playoffs, if they should get there, which I'm not doubting. No, they have a chance at a wild card. I don't think they're going to win the division, but I think they right. have a chance to win wild card. Right. They're going to need that defense to show up every game, and that offense needs to hang with the elite of the NFC. Oh, sure. I mean, this is kind of – I'm looking at the Rams' schedule. Their three losses this year are to Buffalo, the 49ers, and Miami. So, you know, and of course Miami was the bizarre four interceptions by halftime game. They're beating the teams they should. You know, Dallas was a good win for them because of week one when Mm -hmm. it went up against Dak and it was a full team. They're beating the teams they should, a.k.a. the NFC East. You know, and then and then Chicago's, but then they're losing to the teams that you would figure they would. So at least when you look at it, and for the games when they played them, this is the first game that like you looked at and gone, the problem might lose this one. It's hard to say, in but they beat them. You know, we'll be we'll see. They got a couple uh, big tests in the next coming week, coupling coming weeks. Excuse me, uh, this coming week they're on Monday Night Football against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. After that, they are playing San Francisco again, uh, and then they play Arizona and New England uh, for the next couple weeks. So you got some tough division games going yeah. on, and yeah. obviously they're going to need to find that magic to happen. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they can match it up though consistently. It's going to be hard just because, it, and I don't know if maybe you know because there was talk about them expanding the playoffs and, and adding some more teams because of what's going on. I haven't heard anything more to that, so at this point I'm going to say no. Uh, but there's only so many spots you can get in this playoff playoffs. You know, so all you got obviously you got the four uh, divisions. You got one there. And then you got what is it like two uh, wild card spots or whatever it is? So there's only so many there's only so many shares and way too many butts. There's only so much room to go around. Like I said, they could possibly find the magic and make a run. Sure, I mean, it's, sure, it's not out of the realm of thought to think that this team could win. But L.A. needs to do something uh-huh. on a consistent basis. Like that's a drive home point for this is consistency. Mm-hmm. L.A. is not consistent. No, they haven't been consistent since they went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and they got exposed very quick for being a young team, and I'm not saying they have the hangover a la Atlanta. No, because they've been they've been all right. They've been all right, but sp- sporadically. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can't say otherwise. So if you want to compete with Seattle, who, let, let's be very honest about them, you know what you're getting out of them each week. You're mm-hmm. not going to get anybody really lighting up the stat lines. Russell Wilson has been on an MVP pace. Yeah, yeah. But after that, who else is going to be the next person to step up? Mm-hmm. They did a great job of shutting out DK Metcalf. 
which I can't fault him on. No. If you're going to shout out anybody, you you do that. Yeah. Who's the next man to step up for him? Well, yeah. And then on the flip side, you maybe you figure, all right, well, they're going to shut down our, our receivers. Let's get a running game going. Their running game hasn't been anything special all year. No, Seattle has been injury plagued. I mean, yeah. Chris Carson's been out, I don't know how many times. Carlos Hyde yeah. has been non existent too with injuries. So obviously, yeah. they've had a running back by committee, literally. And Alex Collins can only do so much. Yeah. But. He's not the main guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though 43 yards and a touchdown is nothing to sneeze at. No. To be on that level, Seattle is going to need somebody to really become a playmaker in a hurry mm-hmm. if you take out their big guns. And, I mean, it's possible that they'll have somebody step up. I mean, I trust Pete Carroll enough that he'll find a diamond in the rough, but they're going to need to make some quick adjustments in their running game to be a little more consistent. Otherwise, you're going to rely on Russell Wilson to have you in a shootout every game. Not saying he can't do it. Right. But is that really what you want to do for Seattle football? I don't know. I mean, it's one of those situations that this game was a real test for him, yeah. but you are starting to see some weaknesses in that team. Oh, yeah. And if you can really capitalize on it and really take out their main wide receiver mm-hmm. and you take out their third string, fourth string running backs. And get them to third down. Yeah. If you can do that, you have a really good chance of being a good Seattle team. Oh, yeah. And their defense, though, I will say, does their secondary is Yo. not what we thought it was. Uh, yeah, I would say the amount. I saw somebody made the joke online because it was of a terrible, I don't even know if he tried to tackle, you know, uh, Jamal Adams. Uh, tried yeah. to make, they gave all it's looking like they gave up way too much for that guy. It's one of those situations that you figure, okay, a player of his caliber would be that fired sure. up and motivated. Sure. And I know winning will make you complacent at times. Yeah. And you kind of see that a little more with him. This sure. Year, yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. I mean, the, the play in question was somebody was running and he didn't know which way to look. Yeah. And he didn't even make it. I think a guy went in for a score. He didn't even try to tackle that. He just couldn't figure out where the hell he was going. Well, he's more known for his hard hitting than, yeah. than, than yeah. being a shutdown. So that being said, Seattle's going to have to do some work. But it's mm-hmm. not to say that we're writing them off by any means. No. They're, no. they're definitely still my pick to win the NFC and then go to the Super Bowl. So it's still up in the air what you're going to have. But the rest of the NFC West is giving them a run for the money. Mm-hmm. That's where you're really going to have to watch. Mm-hmm. So that was also my leap mm-hmm. as well. So if we go to my lock, and I win against my Cardinal rule pad. Uh-oh. It's a division game. Yep. I need to stay away from division games because uh-huh. no matter how bad a team is or how good a team is, your rivals will always step up to face you. This is true. So this is my like unofficial gambling advice. Yeah. That stay away from rival games. That's why I don't pick the Patriots most weeks. Exactly. You should never go against You never go on your team, mm-hmm. ever. I mean, I know I do it occasionally, but hey. Sure. I have faith in the Bills, but we'll talk about that a little later. But, no, this one I went with those Tennessee Titans who were favored by a point and a half mm-hmm. over Indianapolis. So, and i got to admit, I looked at this game, too. Yeah, this but, was. But I think it was that. I think it was like you mentioned. Division game on Thursday night, I was like, I can't do this. Yeah, this was one that I was, like, really puzzled that, okay, this matchup is here and why the point line was so low. Because mm-hmm. Tennessee has been playing very good. Oh, yeah. Obviously... They were live and die on Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. So if you can slow him down enough, you my got fantasy a, team hates that. Yeah, you got a chance at it. But the one thing that we forget about the Colts is they have a very highly ranked defense. Mm-hmm. So Pad, what was the outcome of this one? Yeah. So Indianapolis ended up winning by the final score of thirty-four to seventeen. Uh, Philip Rivers had twenty-nine of thirty-nine for three hundred and eight yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. Ryan Tannehill had fifteen of twenty-seven for one hundred and forty-seven yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions, and Derrick Henry had nineteen carries for one hundred and three yards, no touchdowns. 
That's a key stat line. If you keep Henry out of the end zone uh-huh. and you're making Ryan Tannehill beat you, listen, it's going to make the team very one-dimensional. And Ryan Tannehill has been having a resurgence in Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. But this was against a very good Colts defense that does not get a lot of press. This was, yeah, no, it doesn't, and it was a very bend don't break because I think the key stat, like you mentioned, you know, they held Derrick Henry out of the end zone. They bend, but they didn't break mm-hmm. because you look at his average. He averaged five point four yards per carry. All right, fine, you're going to pick up, you know, half of a first down. That's fine. We're not going to let you in this end zone. Yeah, and that's the smart thing to do because Indianapolis took advantage of it. When you can keep him out of there, and you have to make Ryan Tanhill beat you. Mm-hmm. It did make for it a very tough game. And for Phillip Rivers, he had another great game, and you know you're going to get this out of him. Yeah. Still at his age, he can still sling the rock. Sure. There's no question about that. And obviously, with his team in Indianapolis, it's almost player by committee. I mean, yeah. Michael Pittman with 101 yards. I mean, yeah. Who saw that one coming? Yeah. T.Y. Hilton, 40 yards. Not really that number one receiver anymore, but you can he's, still put He's been there. having a down year. He's been having a very down year, and they knew they were going to have a tough task against a Tennessee defense that – is very scrappy, mm-hmm. and that's the mentality that they have down there. Mm-hmm. So this one was kind of a shock, though I will say, because Tennessee was really implementing their will. Oh yeah, you know, to kind of borrow from our uh, UFC talk. Sure, but Philip Rivers took advantage of it, and obviously, if it came down to a shootout between him and Tannehill, you're going to have to go with Rivers. And I think it came. I think it ultimately came down to second half adjustments because you look at halftime where it was uh, 17 to 13 in favor of Tennessee. Uh, and coming out of out of the halftime, uh, ten, Indianapolis put up fourteen in the third, seven in the fourth. Uh, Tennessee gave up, or Tennessee put up nothing in the second half. Yeah. So when they made those adjustments, it really goes to show about the coaching. And look at what happened. Mm-hmm. And for Tennessee, I'm not writing them off either. This was, no. This was just a very tough division game. Mm-hmm. They're still going to be in that talk for the AFC South. I'll say, yeah, uh, they are currently tied. Uh, with the Indianapolis Colts for first place, but because they just beat them, Indianapolis has got first place. Yeah, so they'll be in that playoff talk when it gets time for that. Yeah, Indianapolis is right there with them. I mean, who would have thought at the beginning of the year we all had Houston running away with this division? And yeah, man, how that ship is sank. You'll say, yeah. Well, uh, Coach had Tennessee. Uh, you and I both had Houston. Yeah, yeah, but and then for wild card, uh, I'm just looking. You uh, you had Houston making it in the on the wild card, uh, and then I had Tennessee making it in. Uh, you know, yeah, we all didn't have Indianapolis though, and I think no, that's yeah. kind of the real surprise. We thought they would, I I thought they would contend, but I didn't oh think yeah, they, yeah, I didn't think they would be six and three at this. Stage, no, though. yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at as we said, you know, Philip Rivers, very good quarterback, real good for good for fantasy. If you if you need somebody uh, and you're on your third injured quarterback in mm-hmm. fantasy like myself, but I you know his better days are behind him. He necessarily doesn't have the weapons that he had when he was with the Chargers, and and I think that's showing a little bit. Like you said, T.Y. Hilton used to be a very good receiver, used to be a number one receiver, not necessarily the case. And just looking at the list of names here on the box score for other guys who got credit for making a catch or targeted, uh, nobody's exactly striking fear in me. Yeah. So this is one thing about the AFC South that I think really is becoming very noteworthy. Mm-hmm. It's more about the team ball than the stat line. Oh, yeah. And I think you can definitely tell that on both sides of the ball. And this one was just Indianapolis made more decisions to neutralize the Tennessee offense. Oh, yeah. That's a telling sign. They made second-half adjustments that really locked it in for a win. Mm-hmm. And this was a very, very contested game. So I have to say it was a very exciting week for them for the AFC South and where they're going with it. So it's anybody's division between those two right now. Mm-hmm. Anybody's. Yeah. So we also have to give a quick plug since Coach 
did take his Giants yeah. over Philly. Yeah. So this one, congratulations. We can we can speak very briefly on, and then we'll we'll get into our, our two minute drill here. Uh, for the Giants, listen, they're gonna. I I'm fully now drinking the Kool Aid. They're gonna win the NFC East by default. <laughs> I'm drinking it now. Oh, uh, they are currently in second place, which ain't saying much in that division. Yeah. Uh, the Eagles are in first place at three five and one. Uh, Giants are in second place at three seven and zero. Oh. Washington is in third place at two seven and zero. Dallas is in last at two seven and zero. Christ Almighty, Dallas could run the table and still make it. It's so weird. It's not saying much. No, it isn't. But I will say this: Joe, Joe Judge, their head coach of the Giants, yeah. has done a phenomenal job of getting his players ready for games. Uh huh. Stat lines and wins are a little different story, but they show up every week. Oh yeah, and that's the big take home for Philadelphia. What the fuck are you doing? Man, Carson Wentz Ain't it? I I don't I don't really know where on to the go fl- with on it. On the flip side, Nick Foles doesn't appear to be it either. Yeah, Nick Foles isn't. I mean, Philly was going to be in a in a lot of just flux this year. And I think you live and die by Wentz and if Wentz has a bad game, what where do you go from there? I mean, you go yeah. the, you go the rookie or no? Because I've seen a lot of Philly fans flip uh-huh. this year uh-huh and one week it's I, I ride or die with my quarterback carson and the next pull him and bench him already and, yeah. and get hurts in one there. pick bench him yeah it is a wild scenario to watch if you were outsider looking into philly nation so i don't even know where you go with this team. i don't think peterson knows where he's going no I, I think that they're just one of those teams on that i don't want to say atlanta level because no you do they do show up and like i say when they get their offense going, mm-hmm. they are okay, and they can hang. I mean, Sanders and Scott got the ball running on the ground. They both had really good games. Yeah. And after that, though, not so much. And for the Giants, for being without Saquon Barkley, mm-hmm. they have found, I think, a diamond in the rough with Wayne Gallman. Yeah. I really do. And I think that they have a nice one-two combo when they get Barkley back if they decide to keep Gallman. But Daniel Jones did not look the worst against no. a bad team. No. So you have a lot of stuff that you can say positive things about if you're for the Giants. And like I say, watching them now, they really were playing a physical game. They were giving Wentz fits. Mm-hmm. And for a team that should be written off for dead, they're showing signs of life. That Yeah, they're showing signs of promise. Yeah, it's so weird to watch. Yeah, and I think on the flip side, you know, for me, for Philly, you got to figure out what the fuck your offensive identity is because, yeah. you know, once oh, he's okay, but I think he's very quickly establishing that he is not the guy if you want to get back to the Super Bowl and win another Super Bowl. Uh, and then, obviously, the receiving core is not what they would hope. You know, they've been missing. Deshaun Jackson hasn't been there all year. Al- yeah. Alshon Jeffrey hasn't been there all, you know, much, if at all, all year. So, I mean, Richard Rodgers, four catches, 60 yards, you know, no touchdowns. Okay, fine. You know, but after that, it's a who the hell are these people? Uh, and then on the running game, it's it's a running back by committee just because, I mean, I look at their schedule on ESPN.com and it lists, it lists the high passer, high rusher, high receiver. Uh, first week, their leading rusher was Scott. Uh, then for one, two, three, four, five weeks, it was Sanders. And then these, and then uh, the, the last two, two weeks prior, it was leading rusher was Scott. Now it's Sanders again. So it's just like, well, who the fuck is your identity? Well, that's the thing that Philly needs to figure out because they do have a nice one-two combo with those guys. Mm-hmm. But are they enough that really strike fear in your you know, opposing team's defense? Not necessarily. No, I mean, there's, there's nobody on that team that is scaring me. No, there isn't. I, I don't sit there and watch the team and really question where you're going to get out of Philly each week. You basically know if you can slow their running game down 
and make Wentz go at you with his wide receiver court. And run around, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he is definitely beatable. And it's Wentz that, I don't know, like he's a, he's another puzzling player that you really don't know what you're going to get out of him no, each week. No, you really don't because you, you would think – even with the receiving core as kind of depleted as they are, that he should be able to make mincemeat out of those guys. Yeah. But you sit there, 21 of 37, 208 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, averaged 5.6 yards per pass. Okay, that's okay, but it's not anything to really right home about. Yeah, it's not exactly seeing Super Bowl contender. No. It's, it is what it is. And yeah. obviously for Philly, I think they should probably spend the draft or offseason upgrading some weapons. And, and and even if they are fortunate enough to make the playoffs, because let's face it, anybody can make the playoffs in that division. Yeah. I don't think this is going to be a case like you've seen with other teams where they kind of suck in the playoff or the regular season and then make a miraculous run in the playoffs off of some key players. Because who the fuck are you going to do it with? Yeah, no, this team isn't definitely going to do it. I know they had some injuries, but they're, sure. n- but they're not San Francisco. Like, no. Let us be honest about no, this. No, no. So like I say, I'm now drinking the Kool-Aid. I think the Giants are going to win this thing. I can see it. Oh, my God. And you just imagine the meltdown about losing Trevor Lawrence. Uh-huh. Because now I think it's between Jacksonville and the Jets. For I him. think I think the Jets, last I saw, the percentage of them getting a first overall pick was like over 60. Oh, it's something ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, unless they pull some weird karma out somewhere. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is going to have a tough decision when he gets to the offseason. I mean, if I'm Trevor Lawrence, it's pretty damn easy. Yeah, I know. Stay at school, kid. Mm-hmm. So let's go to that two-minute drill pad. Sure. Got to talk about my Patriots because uh, to everyone in the AFC North that is not Baltimore, you're welcome. Yeah. Uh, Patriots defeated the, the Baltimore Ravens by final score of 23-17. to Cam Newton had 13 of 17, 118 yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. Lamar Jackson had 24 of 34 for 249 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, and then on the running game, Lamar had only had 11 carries for 55 yards. And then Damian goddamn Harris they build those boys different down in Bama. Yeah. Ho- holy fuck. Uh, Damian Harris, 22 carries, 121 yards, zero touchdowns. Uh, if you're wondering why I mentioned Alabama, he backed up Derrick Henry in Alabama. Uh, the, the running backs that come out of that school, man. Uh, they build them different, man. Yeah, Unless you're Trent Richardson. Yeah, well, you, you can't hit a home run every time. That's true. But they, the last couple backs, they build them different down there. And Stefan who? Holy shit, J.C. Jackson, uh, five straight games with an interception, a new franchise record, six interceptions overall. It's insane. Yeah, yeah it's absolutely ridiculous what's going on there. Oh, it's all, it's it's insane. I mean, the game was just, was fun to watch. I'm glad to see Mother Nature was on our side for that last uh, drive of the game from uh, Baltimore where mm-hmm. it was absolutely poor. It wasn't really doing much. It was kind of spitting and sputtering when the Patriots are going down the field. Baltimore got the ball, and it's like, all right, time to open the heavens and uh, dump some rain out. It, you know, it was nuts. It was absolutely nuts, and I think the one takeaway I got from this is Baltimore's defense is not the normal Baltimore defense we've seen. No. And it is what it is. It's not a slight no. to them by any means. No, and I, and I think this was, again, great scheming by Belichick because yeah. one of the points I think was Chris Collinsworth brought up on Sunday Night Football is they're good at defending the pass. They're good at defending the short pass, which, let's face it, that's pretty much what New England is these days. They, mm-hmm. they, Randy Moss ain't coming through that door anytime soon. Neither is Dante Stallworth, you know, for deep passes. Yeah. You know, circa, they're a dink-dunk, you know, not necessarily far. I mean, they're... Uh, you had a couple long passes, but that's not their norm. You know, you're not going to see Cam air it out, you know, 5, 10, 15 times a game. So what are they going to do? They're going to run the ball down your throat. Yeah, and it's a smart move to do. So they played a, a well game, mm-hmm. a very, very well game. Yeah. I think the Belichick scheme this, and like he's going to, listen, we can all talk about Tom Brady leaving and it's a different look for the Patriots. He still has them in every game they step mm-hmm. on the field with. Mm-hmm. And Cam Newton, listen, is Cam Newton. Yeah. 
what you know that you're going to have streaks where he's great and everybody thinks that the magic is back, and mm-hmm. you're going to have games where you're like, who is this guy? Yep. It is what it is with him. He's always been like this except the year the North Turner was his coach. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that is how he is. He's, yeah, he's a very streaky player. No, yeah, they've had he's you know, Balchuk. I'll tear credit. I'll tell, like you mentioned, has had him in every game this year. The only game they were really out of was the San Francisco game, where yeah. they lost thirty three to six. After that, other than that, lost by five to Seattle, lost by sixteen to to Kansas City. But they were in that for three quarters, three and a half quarters of that. Yeah, uh, they lost by six to Denver. Like I mentioned, thirty-three to six to San Francisco, lost by three to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. So you know they've been in every game. Yeah, they're in every game. They're going to scrap. I mean, yeah. this wasn't a, a runaway thing that they were going to be written off or dead. No, like I don't like. I think a lot of people were thinking they were because obviously Buffalo's had a great year. Sure, Miami is fluking by to get where they are. Sure, I th- I think people are just ready to write them off because they went on that four game losing streak. You know, but I, no way in hell they're going to beat Kansas City. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was sitting there watching the game. Like, okay, you need to put up points. You can only contain defense can only contain Kansas City for so long. You know, Denver I think was a surprise to everybody in, in San Francisco as well. But then I figured Buffalo would beat them. But I think they went on that losing streak and went up. Oh, they're dead. Write them off. Send yeah. them home. Yeah, which is stupid. You can't do that with a Belichick team. No. I'm sorry. He gets by with smoke and mirrors better than anybody. giving him bulletin board material when they don't need it. Exactly. So this was a great win for him. And like I say, for Baltimore, they need work on their defense. Uh huh. This is not the Ray Lewis era defense. No. And I think that if you talk to any Baltimore fan, they'll say the same thing. Uh huh. But they're still in the also, you playoff need, hunter. And you need to give Lamar Jackson a lead because I believe the stat is now. Uh, he is one in his NFL career. He is one in seven when uh, trying to come back from a deficit. It's something like that, yeah. Because it, it was one, right. it was one in six in going into uh, Sunday's game. His first win coming a week ago when they came back and beat the Colts. You know, in the however many years he's been in the NFL, so now it's one in seven. So Lamar, you need to give him a lead, or else you may not win. But you know, the thing to flip that though. He usually jumps out to an early lead. Like sure. Because they set the ground running oh, yeah. with that team. And oh, yeah. So I think for Belichick to slow him up and try making it a, into a shootout. Oh, yeah. And you know Belichick had this game circled. Oh, yeah. More yeah. than anything because of how they got embarrassed last year. And let's face it, that was an embarrassing loss for the oh, Patriots. Yeah. Where they were coming. Let's not forget. They were coming in. They were like 8-0 or whatever the hell it was. Best defense possibly in NFL history. And then they just got embarrassed. You know Belichick was like, yeah, we're going to we're gonna show this ain't the same team. Yeah, you want to make a statement win with that one. And you know what? I don't blame him. He made a statement win, like you mentioned earlier in the uh, segment. With like half the defense missing. Yeah, he's making a lot of things happen that people don't realize. I hate saying this as a Bills fan, but uh-huh. I, but I will always give the devil his due. Belichick finds ways to make his team content, and he keeps drafting quarterbacks and putting them in wide receiver. Yeah, Julian Edelman. That's a weird J- thing. Jacoby him. Myers. Yeah, I don't. I love a good trick play. Oh well, yeah, he does trick plays better than anybody. Mm-hmm. So to see where they're going with this, I mean, obviously, I don't think they're going to get to the playoffs this year. Maybe not. Maybe, but it's but who knows? Like, no, yeah, it's not out of the realm of thought. No, I mean, it's definitely not. They got a, definitely a, a couple winnable games uh, these next coupling next couple of weeks. Uh, I know they've got Houston on Sunday down in Houston. After that, they play Arizona, the Chargers, the Rams, and then to close out the year, they play Miami, Buffalo, and the Jets. So there are some games they can win, yeah. and there's oh, yeah. some that is going to be a little more of a task. So uh-huh. Patriots are still going to hang in there. They're not written off for dead yet. Nope. Neither is Baltimore. Like let's say, they did have a bad game. Their defense is not the same, but still, they're 6-3. and three. Mm-hmm. They're probably going to get the wild card easy in that uh, NF, or AFC Central, mm-hmm. or AFC North, rather. 
I mean, obviously, they're not going to catch up to Pittsburgh. I don't think so. Pittsburgh if if is, things really fall apart, though, they're really going to screw with yours and my Super Bowl predictions because we both had them going. Yeah, I still think that I still think they wind up there because I think the one thing that Jackson is going to do is he will try taking the game into his own hands when he gets into the playoffs. He's going to run every chance he gets. Uh-huh. I don't think that he's going to try giving anybody like a Patrick Mahomes right. or a Josh Allen time to get on the field. They just don't have much more room to slip because as we sit here recording, they are currently the seventh seed in the AFC or the AFC at yeah, the AFC playoff picture uh, with uh, Cleveland right behind them in eighth. But Cleveland's got to be consistent. I mean, that's the one thing. Good luck. Yeah, which, like I say, they they have games where they're all back to the swagger talk and mm-hmm. you know quoting uh, Little Wayne as Baker Mayfield was doing this past week. Yeah, but you guys have to do this every week before I take you as a serious contender anymore. I'm sorry. Like I love Cleveland. Don't get me wrong. Great city. No, oh, yeah, been there once myself. Great city. But if you're going to be talking that talk, you got to walk that walk mm-hmm. on the field. Baltimore's been doing it for seasons now. You guys have been doing it for a cup of coffee. When you make it a thermos, then we'll talk. Yep. Sorry. that's I'm so jaded with Cleveland. Uh, I can't even get into it. But the game that I guess I should be more jaded about, but I'm not, mm-hmm. is the game of the week, in my opinion. I'm not yeah. saying this because it was my team. Yeah. But, Pad, you want to hit him with that stat line? Yeah, so uh, that he's referring to is the Buffalo Bills at the Arizona Cardinals game, where the Arizona Cardinals, in dramatic fashion, it's something about that Aaron in that stadium. It's I, I it's, saw I saw that post on Facebook. I think it was Sports Center. I'll pull it up in a minute. Uh, it's something about the air down there, man. Arizona pulling out a last second win, winning by the final score of thirty-two to thirty. Kyler Murray twenty-two of thirty-two for two hundred and forty-five yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Josh Allen thirty-two of forty-nine for two hundred eighty-four yards passing, two touchdowns, two interceptions. So the easiest takeaways from this. One, Arizona is a real contender. Uh-huh. Not that I doubted them before, but watching them actually play, they have really impressed me. Albeit, though, there is one thing that stands out to me about them that scares me if I'm an Arizona fan. Mm-hmm. They like to take chances when they don't need to. Mm-hmm. And what I'm referring to is that fourth quarter. They had the lead on the Bills. They came back in dramatic fashion. They scored 17 in the third. They took a late lead going in. Like they, they battled back, which, I mean, hey, that's what great teams do. You have the ball after the Bills have this egregious drive, if you can even call it that, because you're parking in reverse and just going downhill, where the Bills, I think at one point, was a 3-33. and 33. Yes. After two false starts, one block in the back, one offensive pass interference, I want to say, mm-hmm. it was just a hot mess when they were trying to press. The Arizona Cardinals get the ball back with about four minutes left. And they're throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. After that entire second half was the Kyler Murray show running. Yep. I don't understand that. I, I guess it's uh, their head coach's mentality about games. Because I was talking to some Cardinal fans on, online at OD Parlay on Twitter. And I was like, going like, why are you guys doing this? And they're like, Kingsbury likes to go take chances. And I'm like, why would you do that when you had the lead? You had the bills on the rope. Because let us face this, the Bills' defense gassed out in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And there's no shame in it. We all know the Achilles heel of Buffalo is their defense has struggled against the run all year. Yep. They really struggled late in this game. They did have the lead. Josh Allen had a great game. 
albeit though he dodged some bullets because for his interceptions he should have had been intercepted more. Uh-huh. Patrick Peterson dropped a couple that were oh, easy, yeah. oh yeah, easy. Like Josh should have had four interceptions. I'm going to be the first one to tell you this. But the Arizona Cardinals did not take them out of the game. They let them get back in, uh-huh. which I will say this. Josh Allen finds a way to lead that team in a fourth-quarter deficit that I have not seen since Jim Kelly. Oh, okay. I'm going to be honest about this. He really gets that team motivated that I feel that they rely on him too much to lead them back. But he does it, and he was smart about it. Because the one thing that Arizona was struggling against is the pass, Mm -hmm. which is kind of surprised with Buda Baker and uh, Patrick Peterson. Oh Yeah, it's like Cole Beasley, which, holy shit, catch of the year from him. Yeah. God damn, all of five foot four or whatever the hell he is, making a one-handed leaping Odell Beckham Jr.-like catch. Yes. You know, but he led the Bills, uh, 11 catches, 109 yards. Stephon Diggs, 10 catches, 93 yards. John Brown, 6 catches, 72 yards. Yeah, John screwed up his uh, leg, though, pretty bad. Yeah. I think he's going to be out for some extensive time. I have not seen the injury report yet, so I'm not sure. But they were torching that defense oh, yeah. when they were passing. The run game, yeah. We'll say, I'm, look, and I'm looking at the averages. Beasley, 9.9 yards a catch. Diggs, 9.3. Brown, 12.12. 12. Uh, Dawson Knox, uh, 8. Josh Allen himself. Uh, twelve. Yeah, because he caught that gadget play. You know, but and the, the only guy that had a below five uh, average was Isaiah McKenzie, who caught one catch for two yards. Yeah, it, it's absolutely wild to see how they were torching that defense. But where the Bills were really struggling is once the defense gassed out, their offense sputtered. They couldn't run the ball to save their lives. And when they were passing, Josh Allen led them down the field, and he was smart too because when he had nothing to throw downfield to, he ran. Oh yeah, and he was sliding. Oh, which, and that, well, and there was that one where I was like, "What the hell are you doing?" He had that run on that I think it was that final drive, where I was like, "Why the hell?" Like it was almost an immediate snap the ball and took off. I'm like, "What the hell are you running for?" And then they showed the replay, and I realized. Oh, that's what he looked at the defense and he read the defense and saw there's nobody in that middle part of the field. They all dropped. Yeah. Which is, I think, a testament to his growth and his learning in the NFL that he looked up. And because and, I think a couple of years ago, he might not have done no, that. No, he wouldn't have done that. He wouldn't have done that. But he he went in there, he looked, and he goes, Oh, shit, I can make a run at this. And he was smart about two of them. Yeah. And they put that rope to digs in the corner of the end zone. Which at that point, the win probability for Arizona was 8%. Yeah. But give testament to Kyler Murray. Like I was more impressed with him in oh, this yeah, game yeah. than I think that uh, going into this, I, I thought he was good, and I thought, okay, maybe the kid's a lot of hype, but let's see what he can do. Led his team down the field, and through the Hail Mary pass that you've seen highlighted all the time to DeAndre Hopkins, who to quote uh, Kyler Murray, and he tweeted what he thought in that moment. Shit, Hopkins down there somewhere. Yes, and you know what? It's a bold move. But it paid off. Yeah. And for any Bills fan, look, we can't be mad about that catch. Triple coverage. Everybody was there and everybody was defending. Yeah. It's just Hopkins is taller. Hopkins was taller. And the one thing is everybody went for an interception instead mm-hmm. of knocking it down. Uh, somebody was telling me that uh, Poirier got knocked or knocked the defender down, too, that could have made a play. I don't know about that. I think the only thing that was working against the Bills, and I only saw this because they showed the replay 9,000 times, understandably so, mm-hmm. was whoever was on – uh, Hopkins in that moment gave, White. gave him like five, ten yard space at, before the snap. Yeah, they, that was the only thing that I think if if you'd have played him up, he wouldn't have gotten as deep as he did. It's 
it's a very tough call. I agree with you. I yeah. think that I think they should have pressed him, but then they were probably going, okay, well, if he burns White, which right, he might have, if he burns him down the field. But I think at that point, but I think at that point, you got to drop, you got to rush three, drop everybody because it was like eleven seconds left. Yeah, no timeouts. You knew what they were going to do. They're not going to run a you know a halfback toss. Yeah, you know you know what they're doing. Rush three, drop everybody. Yeah, it was just a full paw on the defense, and like I say, for three guys not to t- get that ball out of Hopkins' hands, listen, yeah. he deserved to get the get the touchdown. Oh, I yeah, was no, I wasn't mad absolutely. about it. I know I wasn't mad about. It. I'm like, that was a damn good catch. And like I said, I found the post. It was from Adam Schefter on Facebook. It's something about that goddamn aired in that stadium uh, because there's some catch Eli Manning made against the Patriots that I'm, I'm you know I'm having a blank spot in my memory. I don't remember that that pass. Uh, the Malcolm Butler picking off the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. You had Aaron Rodgers Hail Mary in the 2016 NFL NFC Divisional Playoffs, and now this game. Something about that air, man. It's something about that stadium. They they got some weird mojo going on uh-huh. down there. But hey, good win for Arizona. Can't be mad about it. Bills are on a bye this week, so I get to watch football in peace. Mm. So I'll be excited for that. And then let us know what you think about this past week's NFL action. Hit us up on the hashtag hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about your team going into week 11 now? Can you believe we're already at week yeah, 11 crazy. the NFL season? Hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Do you think you should go to jail if you throw a cookie at your girlfriend? Do you think it's cheating if an athlete fails a doping test, but the twist is only her boyfriend is juicing? Do you think 200 shots is too many to try to stop a robbery? What would you do if your parents burned $30,000 worth of your porn? Have you ever asked yourself this question? What the hell is wrong with Florida? Or the Rum Runners Podcast. We read the clickbait so you don't have to. We click those questionable links that pop up in your feed and let you know you want a new iPhone. Every week we break down the weirdest and funniest of those articles. Find us on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, and just about anywhere you find podcasts. Video versions can be found on YouTube. Just search Rum Runners. That's R-U-M-R-U-N-N-A-S. We're also available on Twitter at RumPod and Instagram and Facebook at Rum Runners. With new episodes dropping every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and it's time to talk basketball. ISO, 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 ISO. Oh, we have a lot to discuss about that because the trade rumors are running wild since the official offseason of the NBA has kicked off. Mm hmm. And we have some moves that are happening, rumored to happen. Yeah. So, Pat, let us break it down. Yeah, so we'll go through some bullet points here. We'll further discussions on ones that we feel, you know, need it. You know, but Phil, give some uh, news they're due. Uh, this is going from most recent, uh, according to the ESPN free agency little page they got, uh, going from most recent for us backwards. So if there's anything we must, hey, why don't you talk about this? Because it didn't happen yet. Yes. Uh, most recently, you had Gordon Hayward and the Boston Celtics have agreed to push the deadline for his uh, him exercising his player option. 
back from its original deadline of 5 o'clock today as we record to 3 p.m. Thursday. Uh, Portland Trailblazers forward Rodney Hood is declining his $6 million player option, becoming a free agent. This according to Adrian Woj. Uh, he, we should note he hasn't played since tearing his Achilles tendon on December 6th of 2019. But uh, by the time the season tips off until the 22nd uh, of December, he'll have more than, uh, than a year to recover and should be able to go. Uh, center Andre Drummond has told the Cleveland Cavaliers that he will exercise his uh, $28.7 million contract option and stay with the team this season. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks are going to set to acquire the Sacramento Kings shooting guard Bogdan. God, I wish I had a coach here for this. Uh, Bogdanovich in a sign and trade that would send Dante DiVincenzo and uh, power forward Ursan Ilyasova and DJ Wilson to Sacramento. Uh, this is according to ESPN. Uh, the Kings would also send uh, Justin James to Milwaukee. Uh, and then we should note December 21st is the deadline for Giannis Antetokounmpo to sign an extension with the Bucks. So mark your calendar, folks. Yes. Uh, and then you have the New Orleans Pelicans are nearing a completion of a trade with the Milwaukee Bucks that would send uh, Eric Bledsoe and George Hill, plus three future first-round picks and swaps to the New Orleans to New Orleans or for Drew Holiday. I think that would be good for New Orleans to get Drew down there with uh, Zion. Holy shit. Yeah, like, well... The Bucks would be getting Holiday. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. So that yeah, I mean he's played with Zion. So now to get him with Giannis, yo, that's where the big deal is right there. Because I know like you, you think about it for New Orleans who has a young core team building up, mm-hmm. and Milwaukee who let's face it has been a dominant force in the East since yep. Giannis has emerged. Yep. To now see that Giannis is going to get some help with Holiday. Mm-hmm. This is a very big move for them to try keeping Giannis in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. That obviously the team he's had there thus far has not really gotten the job done. Eric yep. Bledsoe and George Hill have not really lived up to expectations. No. Chris Middleton no. has not been the guy either. So He's okay, but like you're not exactly relying him on him at crunch time. Well, it's just one of those situations where Giannis needs some help. Yes. that This is not a situation where he's screaming, get me out of here. But if you're going to have arguably the best player in the NBA, and like I say, it's debatable. Oh, sure. Some, some, sure. People, some people do feel it. Sure. you got to get some weapons around him to keep him in your city. Because mm-hmm. he's not screaming that he needs to leave. He's not saying, okay, I'm, I'm already eyeing Los Angeles. I'm not in New York. Mm-hmm. But you need to do something to get him some help. And yeah. with the team that he has right now, it's not getting the job done. No. That they're making it only so far in the playoffs, but then they're getting bounced out. Mm-hmm. So now to get him holiday, that is, to Milwaukee, that's a big move. That'd be, that'd be huge for Milwaukee. Yes. Uh, the Houston Rockets uh, are finalizing a trade with the Portland Trailblazers that would send Robert Covington to Portland for Trevor Ariza, uh, a 2020 first-round pick and a 2021 first-round pick, uh, according to ESPN. Uh, this is good for them. It also tanks a trade uh, I tried and messed around with on an NBA trade app uh, that would allow James Harden to go to a certain team in a certain borough in New York. I had Covington. It's weird. The trade doesn't work on ESPN's trade machine, but this app I was using, it works perfectly fine, but... Covington getting traded that kind of tanks my entire trade so mm. is what it is uh, and then one of the first I guess big trades that came down is uh, during the time off uh, you have uh, Chris Paul getting sent from the Oklahoma City Thunder to the Phoenix Suns uh, also tr- going with Chris Paul is Abdel Nader Nader uh, and then the Phoenix Suns uh, are, are sending Kelly Oubre Jr. Ricky Rubio Ty Jerome Jalen Lecou uh, if that's how you say that, if not, I apologize. And then a 2022 first round pick to the Oklahoma City Thunder. So that's that's huge for uh, Phoenix. 
It's a big move for Phoenix, but is it enough to get him over the top? Uh, in that Western Conference, hell no. No, like I, I struggle with this move. That this, where are you, where are you going with this? If you want to keep Devin Booker there, mm-hmm. and you obviously you haven't signed for a few more years, you got to get some weapons that he can make a deep run. Now I know they had a great run in the bubble. Sure, sure, sure. I'll give you that. Oh yeah, when everyone kind of going into it was like, yeah, they're not going to make it far, and then they made it far. Yeah, but it's not enough to say, okay, we're going to be able to compete with. The Golden States, mm-hmm. the Lakers, the mm-hmm. Clippers. I like to have an aging Chris Paul, mm-hmm. who I mean, granted, he's still playing at elite level. Don't get me wrong, but he's not the Chris Paul that is the Chris Paul mm-hmm. of old. It's something to say, like you're going all in on this. That this is going to be your your corner piece to get you there. And I just don't think. Right. It's, I don't think no. it is. I'm sorry. You know, it, it improves their certain aspects of their game, but I don't. I don't think it's necessarily you know the piece to put him over the hump, especially with as loaded as that conference is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to the next one in the line is kind of the elephant in the room, but I, that's going to be the bulk of the talks. So I'll jump over that one and come back to it. Okay. Uh, next up, you have the San Antonio Spurs announced that Demar Derozan is exercised his player option for next year. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks center Robin Lopez is declining his player option; will become a free agent. Uh, but so yeah, let's. I mean, let's get to you know the elephant in the room, uh, or excuse me, there is one. Uh, it's expected that Anthony Davis is going to decline his player option uh, for the final year of his contract and will be a free agent this offseason. He ain't going nowhere. No, he's not going anywhere. Like anybody, he just wants money. Yeah, anybody that is looking at this like he's leaving Los Angeles, no, he's not. Like I'm sorry, he is as much of a lock that can be a lock to stay. Mm-hmm. There's no way he's leaving. I would be extremely shocked mm-hmm. if he did, but. No, he's not going to. I mean, why would why would you leave? You just won the championship with LeBron. You yeah. got him for a couple more years. Yeah. No, he just wants a little bit more money. Yeah, I can't fault him on that. No, absolutely not. So I guess we got uh, you know all we got we got the housework uh, out of the way. Why don't we get to the elephant in the room? Yeah, uh, <laughs> everyone and their mother wants out of Houston. No, 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 that's not true. Uh, we know it's been rumored and talked about that Russell Westbrook wants out of there. I, you know, there's talk of him going to New York. There's talk of him going to Lord knows everywhere else. Uh, but the big one, you know, the last. 24 48 hours is that james harden also wants out of houston and then i guess it's being reported uh, by Woj and some other uh notable nba uh insiders that his preferred destination would be the brooklyn nets and it's even gotten as bonkers that i guess the houston rockets uh offered him a, an extension that would have been what was it two years 100 and something million dollars would have paid him 50 million a year and he declined it okay uh, let me just use a quote from Coach Duffy in our chat. The James Harden shit is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. End quote. Le- okay, where do we begin here first? All right, I guess Harden. We'll go. We'll go with him. First. Okay. You had a guy that has been the face of your team for many moons yep. since he has left yep. Oklahoma City, where mm-hmm. he played with one Wes- Russell Westbrook, yep. and he played with one Kevin Durant. Yep, pretty good team down there. Very good team. There. You know, they believe they got to the one finals against yes. Miami. Yes. So, and then what was it? The next year they got to the uh, Western Conference Finals. What was it against San Antonio? Yeah, or not San San Antonio or somebody else, and they and they got beat. Or Dallas, I think it was. So, yeah, whoever it was. Yeah. Either way. He he has had success with those gentlemen mm-hmm. he's played with. Mm-hmm. He's gone to Houston to forge his own team. Yep, uh, he's been in Houston since the 2012-2013 season, so eight years now. Yes. He has not gotten to the finals. Nope. He's gotten close. He has emerged as a superstar in his own right. But 
he has not gotten over the hump. No. Houston has tried their damnedest to get him bodies mm-hmm. to play with. They have moved heaven and earth to get him Chris Paul, yep. where they had a great run. And if Chris Paul didn't get injured, they probably would have beat Golden State and got to the finals. Could have been. Then they got Russell Westbrook after they got rid of Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. And they were a good team, but not a great team. No, and, and I think there was more division in that locker room than what we were led to believe. I agree. I fully agree. Because if it was, if because we all know, everyone knows the story. You know that, as, and if you don't, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden on the Oklahoma City team. You know that made the run to the playoffs and were pretty good. They left. You know they weren't talking to anybody. They all hated each other. I think they've since mended fences. I know Harden and Westbrook have. You know, so so when they got back together, it's like, oh hey, they like each other again. They, they should be pretty good. And there was that f- first game of the year where they were yelling at each other on this on the sidelines, and everyone's like, oh wait a minute, maybe the fence isn't mended. And then they're like, no, 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 it's just two competitors being being who they are. It's two alphas. They're, they want to win. They want to bring the best out of out of each other. Methinks there was more smoke to that fire. Oh, there was completely. Because, like they be, both- because why would you – sorry to interrupt, but why would you want both, – both want out of that city if you were okay with each other? Exactly. That's the point. You had two guys that wanted to be the same player. They want to be the alpha male of that team. Mm-hmm. They want to be the floor generals. Listen, there's only room for one. Yes. And it's Highlander, so one must stay, one must go. <laughs> that being said, you want to go and join the Toxic Twins in Brooklyn. Uh-huh. Kyrie and KD, who, let's face it, are not exactly team players per se that we know of that we know of you know this is coming off of what they've been you know they've had a year together now obviously they haven't played together yet but they've had a year to kind of bond and and you know chit chat and and get some lunch you know with each other so maybe they'll be able to work together but we don't know that you know we're i'm not psychic i don't have esp you know so i'm just going off of what i know from their previous you know uh interactions I'll break it down like this, because in my opinion, they are not team players. You have Kyrie, who couldn't play with LeBron, Uh and they were winning all over the place. Yeah. Then he goes to Boston, where it's supposed to be his team, and he has a young nucleus around him, and they should have been dominating the East since LeBron left. Couldn't do it there. Yep. Now goes to Brooklyn, where he forces the hand to team up with KD, who couldn't win against Golden State, so he had to join him. Yep. It's a fact. Yep. And then he couldn't play second fiddle to K- or to Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. It was those three and him, or him and those three, depending on how you want to look at it. The Kyrie one is, is funniest to me out of the KD one, because the KD one I kind of understand to a certain degree. But the Kyrie one is just hilarious to me because he wanted to get out from under LeBron's shadow and he wanted to be his own player and he wanted to lead his own team. And he tried that and it didn't work. And that's fine. You That happens. I mean, look at Derrick Rose. For, you know, obviously he had the injuries and all that, but, you know, he had all those teams that weren't necessarily able to go very far. Mm-hmm. But he still tried at it. He didn't join and leave and join a super team. He didn't go to San Antonio and join the Spurs. He didn't, you know, go out east and join LeBron. You know, he stuck with it. You know, and for Kyrie, I would have understood that and been like, all right, hey, you're sticking with it. You are sticking to your guns. You are sticking to what you believe in. But the fact that he's now gone and go, oh, I can't live under LeBron's shadow. I got to get out from LeBron. I got to do my own thing, too. You're trying to now, whether he's directly involved in this or not, 
I don't know, but he's benefiting from it. He's becoming the thing that he hated. He's be, you know, he hated being on that super team with LeBron and being under LeBron's shadow. You don't think you're going to be un- overshadowed by KD and, and James Harden if he ends up there? They're going to be running so much goddamn iso ball, it's going to be absurd. Exactly. There's not enough basketballs in the state of New York, let alone the borough of Brooklyn, for those three to coexist. If the trade happens and you want to get an early preview of what's going to happen, go to the NBA Memes uh, Facebook page. Just search NBA Memes. You'll be able to find it. And, and look up the video they posted today of somebody playing NBA 2K and uh, as the Brooklyn Nets, and it's showing you what they will be playing next year, and it's all isolation. Yeah, that is all you're going to get from that team. You're not going to get anywhere. No. They will implode. They will implode. Mark the tape right now. And it's going to drive the other two other guys and the other teammates on the bench batshit crazy that they're not going to want to play with them. Exactly. If you don't think that they're going to be all fighting for the same basketball, Mm -hmm. all want to take the last shot, all be the quote-unquote alpha male of that team, listen, it is fact. I will say allegedly just to say allegedly, but let's be honest. All three of those guys are going to want to be the star in the brand new team, brand new city. They're not going to want to take a backseat to the other two. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, it's just not going to happen. They will self implode. Kyrie will probably be the cause, allegedly, mm-hmm. in my opinion, because let's face it, we just already said where he's been, and he can't win when he he's been given everything he wanted. So now you have KD coming back from an injury. You don't know what you're going to get out of him, right? But. I'm gonna give. I would say we'll we'll get him back at near 100. Mm-hmm. percent We'll just, we'll just say that out the line. You're gonna try telling me that he's gonna be dishing the ball to James Harden? Yeah. No, they couldn't coexist no. in Oklahoma City. What do you think they're gonna do now? And I don't care. It's been years later. In fact, I think that makes things worse. Yeah. You think Harden's ego is gonna be like, no, nah, that's cool. I'll only get 20 shots a game. It's fine. Yeah. Really? Really? Yeah. No, that's that ain't gonna fly. Get out of here. If this happens. That team will implode. Mm-hmm. Mark my words. That they will get upset in the playoffs each and every time. They might get to the finals, but they ain't going to win them. No. Those three will not win the title against anybody out of the West. Clippers, Lakers, Golden State. Because let us not forget, Golden State is now healthy. Yeah, We're yeah. all forgetting about that now. They're, they're healthy. They're rested. They got a number one draft pick. Yeah. Good Jesus Christ. Christ. They're going to be in fine shape. Uh-huh. And you're going to tell me that the three guys in Brooklyn that are going to be fighting for the ball, fighting for the back page of the post every night, yeah. the Daily News, because yeah. it's New York. Yep. That means something. You're going to try telling me that they're going to coexist and be happy if one of them only gets 18 points a night? Mm-hmm. Really? And, and let's not even forget that to just to get this trade to work is going to take a wizard and a mathematician from Harvard. If you go to ESPN, I've been playing with ESPN.com's trade machine for the last two days, trying to get a trade to work, and I just can't get a trade to work with the money and everything else. So if this ends up working, whoever figures this out and whoever gets the money to work should get a pay raise because, holy Christ, it's going to be tough. It's going to be absolutely awful. It's going to, it's going to take a minimum of at least three teams. Yeah, it's going to take Because you have so much money getting moved around that anytime I try making a trade with two teams, I got to end up getting rid of another 20 plus million dollars in salary from the Nets. Or, 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 yeah, from the Nets. Yeah. So it's going to take at least three teams, if not four. It'll take four teams if they're going to do this, but it'd be foolish to do it to the Nets. If Houston wants to move them to mm-hmm. get assets, mm-hmm. 
go find another team because Harden is you're not going to get enough benefit coming out of Brooklyn. Right. I'm sorry, you're no, not. There's there, there's really nobody there that I look at and go, oh, if you get this guy, that that guy, and this other guy for for Harden, oh, that's a good deal for you guys. Like, there's really not. No, there isn't. So I don't understand how this is going to be beneficial other than he thinks he can win easy in Brooklyn. You're not. No. I'm sorry. Toronto is still going to scrap. Mm-hmm. Boston is still going to scrap. Miami is going to scrap. Yeah. You think Jimmy Butler is sitting there watching this and not going to the gym 10 minutes earlier each day mm-hmm. watching this unfold? Uh-huh. Listen, you're not going to have an easier path to the playoffs by going to the East. No. I'm sorry. No. You'd be better off sticking in the West and telling Houston, get me this person. Oh, yeah. By however means you need to, I need this person, wherever team that he's on. I don't know who you get down to Houston to, to hang with the Lakers. I really don't. No. But you got to go in there if you're James Harden and say, okay, you've given me everybody you can. We can't win here. Yeah. Okay, if you're going to move me, Make it something that makes sense because sending him to Brooklyn, he'll be complaining by whenever the alleged all-star game date would have been. Yeah. Because we know there's not going to be one this year. Correct. This is one of the most asinine moves in my opinion. I'm no, sorry. It, it really is because I just can't see how him going to Brooklyn would work when you had Chris Paul, who is a future Hall of Famer, and it didn't work. You brought in Russell Westbrook, who may be a Hall of Famer, hard to say, but he's a very good player and it didn't work, the hell's it going to do going out east with KD and Kyrie? It's not. No, it's not. If you're going to do anything smart, like this is what I would say. I'm not saying this knowing the team that I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Send Harden to the Knicks. Okay. And have it be involved anybody but R.J. Barrett and uh, Mitchell Robinson. Good luck. Yeah. Do something like that. If you're really going to try sending him somewhere where he can contend and that's a young nucleus and he could be the alpha male and, and still be fine, Yeah. there you go. That's that's all you need to do for it. That'd be tough though, getting a trade done with the Knicks without those two players you mentioned. Well, that's going to be the the tough talk with them because, like I say, you can't pull that off right now with the Knicks. Like the fact that they haven't done that, and like I'm I'm glad and I agree with Coach Duffy too, who also chimed in about that. That he's thankful the Knicks have been quiet because they're talking about moving up in the NBA draft, which is coming up as we're recording tomorrow, to the number two spot, and they're saying as long as he doesn't trade RJ and Mitch. We're all right, and I agree with him. I don't think you need to really panic right now. This mm-hmm. draft coming up is not exactly a slam dunk, no pun intended, of superstars. Mm-hmm. It's a good draft. You'll get some adequate players, but are you going to get like the big draft? Like when you know a few years back, when you had what Mello, yep, and, Lebr- and Mello, Lebron, uh, D Wade, yep. When you're not going to get that one, no. You'll get a good draft. It's not going to be that great. No. So for the Knicks to sit by idly, unless you pull off some deal to get Harden in there, I mean, if you really want him, sure. The other player mentioned to go into New York was Westbrook. Until now, we're having the late-breaking news that there is apparently talk between Washington yeah. and Houston yep. about trading straight up. Yeah, so this is according to uh, Shams Charania, who is a senior lead NBA insider, writer, analyst for The Athletic, who tweeted uh, today as we record, uh, the Rockets and Wizards have discussed a deal centered on Russell Westbrook for John Wall, sources tell at The Athletic NBA. Uh, no traction yet. Rockets are see- seeking more as- assets. Now, I did go to the old ESPN trade machine, uh, and I did select Washington and Houston, and I did try to trade John Wall for Russell Westbrook, and it works. It says the trade is successful, so 
if they wanted to go straight up, they could. You know Houston's going to want more, though. Well, Houston's going to need more. It shouldn't even be a want. It should be a need. Because mm-hmm. at this stage in the game, if you're going to be moving your superstar players, you have uh, you have already told your fan base, we quit. Mm-hmm. We're rebuilding. Okay, get enough assets that you can build for a quick turnaround. Mm-hmm. Because it's not fair to them. No. I mean, granted, obviously with COVID, we can't go to games right now. I get that. But right. but eventually, they're going to be coming back. Mm-hmm. They're the ones supporting your team. So, but to tell your fans that, okay, we are just going to be rebuilding and not getting anything back in return when you're giving up two superstars. Oh, yeah. That's foolish. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at look at the... You know the the steal that Oklahoma City got when they got uh, Chris Paul when they when they traded Westbrook mm-hmm. to uh, to Houston and got uh, Chris Paul back, and the and the laundry list of, of draft picks they had. You know you need to get some in any trade. You would like to get something back. You're not just giving up a guy just to dump him and get rid of him. You like you want something in return. Yeah, and they're going to need to do that if you're going to get rid of your superstars. Yeah, like it's going to be absolutely wild to see what winds up happening in Houston. Yeah. yeah. I don't even know going into the NBA draft where you're going to hear what player gets moved. I'm not doubting you'll see a superstar get moved. Could be, but I, I don't think it'll be any of the big ones. No, I, I don't think so either. No. And, I, and I think it'd be smart for teams not to move a big player right now. No. I mean, John Wall going to Houston would help Houston sure. per se. Sure. He's a great player, but I. But then again, you're in the same scenario. Are you going to be able to contend immediately? I don't nah, think so. I don't so. think so, no. And then, like I say, looking at this draft coming out, I know everybody has their eyes locked and loaded on the number two position with the Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. And it's who is going to be taking James Wiseman, mm-hmm. the center from Memphis there, who's seven one. I I would think if Golden State is smart, they hang on to this. Yeah. And you really have somebody that can help a physical presence down low with Draymond Green. They they're not the ones saying about making moves, but for any other team that's talking about trading up to go get them, mm-hmm. listen, you're banking a lot on somebody that could be a, a bust player. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not I'm looking at this list of the projected first round picks in the draft. Mm-hmm. Nobody is screaming superstar about to me. No, no, I'm sorry, Lamelo Ball. Nope. No, I'm I'm sorry. Like we, you're not ready to deal with that media circus oh, with him. Hell no. And he's not that superstar level to get that get warrant that. I'm sorry. No. Like the Lakers learned from the mistake of drafting his brother. And then they wound yeah. up moving him. So yeah. I mean, go from there. I mean, Topin, the power forward there from Dayton, he could be a sleeper. Mm-hmm. I think he's projected a little too high. Yeah, this, this, this even for me, like I'm not the biggest college basketball fan. It, it like it's it's a weak class just because the most talked about player is a guy with the, you know Lamelo Ball with a whole his brother and the father and that whole thing. Outside of that, it's kind of like you're not really hearing about anybody else. No, that's, it, it's not a holy shit. This guy's turning pro. Like it's going to be huge. Like it's kind of a letdown of a draft. No, this is why the draft is getting overshadowed by all the offseason moves here mm-hmm. because there's no real must-see player that's going to get watched and go, okay. I mean, Wiseman definitely is going to be somebody that sure. you're going to watch because he did have a lot of hype when he was coming into the uh, college levels. Mm-hmm. So now it's like, okay, what's going to happen here? Is he going to go number one to Minnesota? Is somebody going to trade up with Golden State for number two? I know the Knicks have the number eight pick. There's still some value down there. Right. But is there enough to really justify that, or are you better off making a free agency move? So, mm-hmm. I mean, we're all going to kind of wait and see what happens. I think you'll see a lot more go down Wednesday probably leading into the draft because I probably. think if you see a superstar get moved, 
you're going to be watching and saying, okay, there's going to be some draft moves happening. But then, like I say, it's also a crapshoot no matter how you want to do this. Mm -hmm. So we'll just have to wait and see about it. Yeah, we got some uh, late-breaking uh, free agency possible possibility news. Uh, this is according to Chris Haynes of uh, Yahoo Sports. Uh, the Hawks are in play to acquire Gordon Hayward from the Boston Celtics. Uh, he says the Atlanta Hawks are in play in an attempt to acquire Boston Celtics forward Gordon Hayward. League sources tell Yahoo Sports. Uh, a sign-and-trade deal is po- a possible route, but Atlanta is equipped with the most cap space in the league at around $44 million and can simply sign Hayward to a hefty multi-year deal if he decline- decided to decline his option. Hmm. So could could be seeing somebody go down and uh, get another playmaker with Trey Young. Wouldn't mind seeing him go down there. No, I mean, stay I'll, healthy. Yeah, if he's healthy, you can definitely see something happen mm-hmm. there. So, I mean, I, I can't be mad about that. I just hope he's healthy enough to really make a run. Cause, yeah. You know, obviously yeah. coming back from that horrific injury. Mm-hmm. Ugh, who knows? Yep. But like I said, we'll just kind of have to watch going and see in the next couple days. The NBA draft is going on ESPN 8 p.m. Wednesday night, November 18th. Mm-hmm. As you're recording, so as we're talking, so hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Off-season moves in the NBA. What is striking you? What do you think your team should do? And then what's your hopes for the NBA draft? Maybe we'll get Coach Duffy on Twitch if he can calm down enough uh, to get on there because obviously he's locked in the Knicks war room, so we're hearing. So we'll get some updates about what they're doing. So if Cole Anthony is tr- is drafted by the Knicks, you know who is responsible for it. <laughs> His up, let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, guys. My name is JT. What's up, everyone? I'm Darren. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Josh. Hey guys, I'm Christian. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Dominic, and we're the East Coast Avengers. We're a group of five friends who get together weekly and talk about everything that's going on in the nerd universe. Whether you're a fan of Marvel, DC, Star Wars, video games, comics, or anything else nerdy that you can think of, we're the podcast for you. You can find us on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or whatever streaming platform you use to listen to your favorite podcasts on. You can also catch us on our YouTube channel where we release tons of content such as vlogs, unboxings, TV and movie recaps, and trailer reactions. So if those things sound good to you, then check out the East Coast Avengers podcast. We hope you enjoy. To go back and to Hi, this is Tyler from Second Suitor, and you're listening to the ODPH Podcast. I want you to get it. I want you to understand. I'm doing the best I can, but not as good as I want to be. I just want to get it. I just want to comprehend that I have to make amends. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and time to run the ropes and talk some pro wrestling. Wrestling! Now, this Sunday is going to be the 2020 edition of the Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. The long-standing Thanksgiving-themed 
pay-per-view by the WWE, which mm-hmm. has now evolved into its own entity, so to speak, because obviously it came out. And there are a lot of you know Thanksgiving themes yeah. when it first came. But most notably, it's been the 30th year of The Undertaker, mm-hmm. who made his debut in 1990. Yep. But we do want to break down the card because... This card has definitely been an interesting one. They, mm-hmm. When they originally started out with the Survivor Series, it was more based on like teams getting put together and who would be the sole survivors, right. and then they would team up at the end of the night, and it's right. kind of evolved over the years to become Raw versus SmackDown. And mm-hmm. then last year, how amazing it was. With, it's going to be real hard to top last year. Yeah, when Oof. they injected NXT in it, and NXT stole the entire sh- week. Yeah. Adam Cole, Keith Lee. Those, those, those go-home shows, especially the go-home show of NXT – where Raw and SmackDown showed up and there was that brawl in the ring where you had, uh, what was it, Drew McIntyre showed up in the ring and was attacking people. Mm-hmm. And then you had, what was it, you had uh, uh, Seth Rollins uh, super kick Adam Cole only to have Tommaso Ciampa come up, come out and confront Seth Rollins in the ring. That was like one of the greatest episodes of NXT I've ever seen. Yeah, it was absolutely incredible. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be hard to top this year. Uh, looking at the card as we're going to break down and give you our picks. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have the same sizzle as it does last no. year, but there are some fun matches yeah. I definitely want to talk about. So yeah. uh, let us break it down, Pat. Yeah, so I think the first one we should mention is, like Ken said, uh, this is being billed. You know, the show was originally advertised as a celebration of 30 years of The Undertaker. So it's a, if, if we're doing our early locks and leaps, I think it's in the lock that we'll see Undertaker here in some capacity. I agree. It won't be in a match. He might interfere. He might cause some, you know, some fun or something. You know, not anything necessarily too huge, but he'll show up in some capacity. I would love it just to see him address the fans and say goodbye. Yeah, no, I, that'd be all right with that. Have he, a little speech. He has earned his legacy. He is a first ballot Hall of Famer whenever mm-hmm. he officially wants to say he wants to go in. Mm-hmm. I think that this would be a nice uh, retrospective over yeah. the 30 years of what, yeah. he's, what he's done for the business. There, and there's only one other match that I think every pro wrestling fan will say he has left to do because this is the man... There's a lot of wrestlers you can say, oh, they've done a lot. They've done everything. But this is a guy that you can legitimately sit there and go, he has done everything. Yeah. There's only one match that you know he, has, he hasn't done that I think a lot of people would like to see. And let's face it, it probably won't, and that's against Sting. Yeah, it, it but can't it, happen in this it, age. It, it can't happen in this age. Undertaker's just not as, as young and spry as he used to. Sting had his neck injury that you know they I don't think they'll clear him from. So, unfortunately, it's just one of those should have happened but never did. I agree with you. I think that that would be something that fans could, would argue about for the end of time. Mm-hmm. But to look at his body of work. It's what the video game's for. Yeah. To look at what his body of work has done, I yeah. mean, you can't really complain about it. He's no. had arguably the greatest match of all time against Shawn Michaels at mm-hmm. WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. He has done so much and evolved a character that, let's face it. A little hokey if you think about it. Yeah. Into a worldwide phenomenon, no pun intended. Everybody knows who The Undertaker is, even if you're not a big wrestling fan. The man has appeared on the Jimmy Fallon show twice in like the last five years. Yeah. Just being the Undertaker. Uh-huh. It's absolutely wild to see. He so Paul drive the turkey, but I digress. It is it's wrestling, folks. Uh-huh. But to see him just give his final farewell, I yeah. think that's all he needs to do. Yeah. I, like I say, he ended his, his streak at, uh, he ended his wrestling with the Boneyard match. Mm-hmm. And I would say he's always known for the streak at WrestleMania. Listen, he ended it perfectly at WrestleMania. I don't want to see him wrestle again. It is nothing against him. 
is just Father Time is caught up to him, and I don't want to see him hanging on just to hang on. The only thing I would like to see, if he, if we we're going along with this whole speech thing, is I would like to see Kane come out and be Demon Kane, not Corporate Kane or Mayor Kane. Mm-hmm. To have Demon Kane come out, do like you know, like Undertaker does that post where he's like down on one knee, is that? Do like a post kind of like that, and then have them leave together just so we can get one last Brothers of Destruction fists raised in the air. I think we'll get that at his WrestleMania or his Hall of Fame induction. Oh, that could. Be. I think the wait to do it in person. Could be, and I think you you'll have Kane induct him because I mean they yeah, they they're close. Yeah, oh yeah, there. I think there's a documentary out right now on WWE Network. Yeah, and they delve into a little bit of who decided uh, to end the streak. Yeah, it's a wild story. Like I haven't got a chance. I saw like the clippets of it just yet. Mm-hmm. It sounds absolutely wild. So yeah, so sheds a little out. little more light on that night. Yeah, definitely interested yeah. about that. Uh, moving on to the matches though. Uh, up first, and this isn't necessarily in order of what they're going to do. This is just on the article I'm from CBSSports.com. I'm reading them. Lists them. Uh, you have Bobby Lashley, the United States Champion, taking on Sami Zayn, who is the Intercontinental Champion. And man, are they chirping on Twitter? I love this. I love all, everything about this. I didn't think I would enjoy Bobby Lashley in the WWE as much as I do right now. Sure. Because he's always been a great wrestler, but he's never had like that much charisma no. for me to get hooked on as no. a character. No. And he showed like flashes of it when he was in uh Impact. And right now in the Hurt business though, this is him, man. Mm-hmm. I am all about this. Mm-hmm. I, I tweet about this at OD Parley Hour all the time. Mm-hmm. I love the Hurt business. And him against Sami Zayn. It's gonna be fun. Oh my god, this is gonna be an absolute blast. I, I will say this Sammy is coming up with unique ways to win matches. Uh-huh. Uh huh. How he retained the Intercontinental title, and you know what I said, retained in the latter match by handcuffing Jeff Hardy and, and just doing a bunch of like he, he's doing these inventive ways to win. Yeah, I fully see him doing it again. The Bobby Lashley. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. This, like I say, this is not going to be for a belt. It's going to be just yeah, match. Raw versus SmackDown. Yeah, it's going to be a fun match. I'm expecting yep. a lot of zaniness from uh-huh. Sammy. Just don't get hurt. Yeah, please don't get hurt. Uh, and I'm predicting him to win. Yep, uh, I'm going with the same thing. Uh, up next, you have the New Day, who are the Raw Tag Team Champions, going up against the Street Profits, who are the SmackDown uh, Tag Team Championship. This will be a fun match. Oh, my God, yeah. Uh, Street Profits are amazing. New Day just had a uh, uh, an excellent match on Monday Night Raw this past week against yeah. uh, Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander from the Hurt Business. Yeah. And that was a Fi- that was a fire match. That uh-huh. was that was I won't I was almost gonna say five star, but it wasn't just there. Mm-hmm. But that match was just straight up fire. That was amazing to watch, especially on Raw. Because yeah, you don't really have those great matches on Raw yeah. anymore. But no, no. But, but this was something that, like I said, I love the Hurt Business. Love what they were trying to do, and New Day looked great in this. Uh, if I have to pick something, the fans win. But yeah, because yeah, this is very not counting NXT because NXT has had some fire tag team matchups in mm-hmm. the last couple of years. This could be the best uh, Raw slash SmackDown tag team matchup in quite some time. Yeah, I fully think the New Day is going to win. Yeah, I'm, I'm, think, I'm thinking the same thing. As much as they don't really need it and Street Profits are like the new face in town. Smack, uh, New Day, they've been around for five, six years, whatever it is at this point. Yeah, Don't necessarily need it, but I think they'll give the rub to New Day just because they're they're kind of reestablishing themselves without Big E. I agree. So I'd love to see Street Profits win, though, so I'm mm-hmm. going to be rooting for them. But yeah. we'll see what happens. Uh, up next, you have Asuka, who is the Raw Women's Champion, going up against Sasha Banks, who is the SmackDown Women's Champion. And before I pick who's going to win, uh, let me just say the fans win in this one. Yeah, the fans win. Holy crap. This is going to be absolutely amazing. Uh, it's going to be hard hitting. Yeah, Asuka and Sasha. I mean, yeah. I don't even need to build. No, Sasha has been killing it. I mean, 
match of the year candidate with Bailey uh-huh. to get the belt. She's yeah. just coming off the, a great performance on the Mandalorian, which we'll get into on the next ODPH. Uh-huh. Against Asuka, who has just been having a, a stellar 2020 in yeah. professional wrestling. Yeah. So, this one, pff, I, 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 we win. Yeah, we win. I think, uh, but in terms of actually picking somebody, I think it's going to be Asuka, but because Bailey gets involved in some some way. I could see that. I'm, I'm hoping not. I'm not hoping either, but just, you know, given as up and down, as tumultuous as, as things seem to be, you know, I, I just see them kind of leaning on that and leaning on what works. I fear, though, it might be Carmella because they're actually doing that whole repackaging oh, yeah, that she's are. been. And yeah. I know she's been interfering yeah. with Sasha. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but Yeah, I'll take, I, I guess, looking at that kind of aspect. Yeah, I'll say Asuka by I don't want to say by default because I think right. they should have a great match, but I think by shenanigans. Yeah, could be. Uh, up next for the Women's Survivor Series, you have for Team Raw, Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Lacey Evans, Peyton Royce, and Lana going up against uh, Team SmackDown, which is Bianca Belair, Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan, and as we record, two uh, yet to be determined. Okay. Uh so if you have been watching Raw lately, they have been doing this whole storyline where Lana has, a table. has been getting bullied yeah. by Baszler and Nia. Yeah. And to the point where Pat was talking about uh, nine consecutive weeks now she's been put through a table. Yeah. Um, I have this eerie suspicion she is going to be the sole survivor. And I think that this is how this makes up this entire team. They just did this angle where they took out Mandy Rose, who I think is legitimately injured. That's what I read today. I didn't I didn't read specifics, but I did read that she does have some sort of legitimate injury and that the in and that the injury angle they went with uh is to cover is to kind of like put that into the storyline. That's why she's not there. Right. So her and Dana are out. They interjected yep. Lacey Evans and Peyton Royce, which okay. I will stress. If you're going to put Peyton Royce into a tag team, just reunite her with Billy Kay. Yup. Why are we even entertaining this whole Lacey Evans tag team with her? I I don't get it. I don't Uh like it. Uh, I like both wrestlers, but I just don't get it. Like, it's it's not working for me. So that is your team Raw against Bianca Belair, Ruby Riot, and Liv Morgan, who have been earning their matches. I will say this for SmackDown. They've been doing how you have to uh, win and you're in. Uh Mm-hmm. The one that Ruby won was excellent with her, Natty, and I'm blanking on the third person right now. Right. Was excellent. And Liv Morgan just had a match uh, where she won, albeit though Chelsea Green was in that, and I think she was supposed to win, but she has broken her wrist. She is legitimately injured. Yeah, so it's a shame about that. Two surprise entrants who could possibly be entered in. I, I almost want to say at this point it's going to be Natalia and probably Tamina. Yeah, because I mean I'm just reading from the the thing on uh, CBSSports.com. They they mentioned that Morgan won a fatal four way against Chelsea Green, Tamina, and Natalia to secure her spot. Okay, well as we just mentioned, Chelsea Green is injured, uh, so that kind of leaves Natalia and Tamina. And I'm just and I was kind of just scrolling through uh, WWE.com and superstars, and because you can sort them by shows mm-hmm. uh, available sh- uh, female superstars. You do have uh, Billy Kay, Bailey. Carmella, uh, just scrolling through. Liv Morgan's already on there. Maurice isn't wrestling. Mickey Mickey James, the Lord knows what she's doing these days. Uh, Ruby Wright's already on the thing. Sasha's already in a match. Yeah, so it's it's very slim pickings unless they decide to do a last-minute call-up. 
Yeah, I think that you're talking Bailey and Bailey, Billy Kay. Billy and Kay, yeah. Which I'd be okay with yeah, Billy Kay. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't really go wrong there. I mean... I can also see them going with Carmella just since they're doing the whole repackaging thing with her. See, I just... I don't know if they would burn that for the Survivor Series match, though. Mm, That's the only... Yeah. I, I could see that happening, too, but it's like you've been building her up and she hasn't... Yeah. She hasn't really had like that big debut with it so mm-hmm. i don't know jury's still out yeah but i'm gonna stick to this i'm gonna say it's gonna be lana as the sole survivor uh, i hope not i would prefer to see Shayna baszler seeing as you had her you brought her up you had a hot start for her, and then obviously because of circumstances outside of your control it got derailed you know i would hope for it to be Shayna just to kind of bring her back into the spotlight a little bit that isn't necessarily the main title spotlight but just kind of like hey she's still here remember well, they've been pushing Team Hell No 2.0, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Nia and Shayna, pretty hard. So I don't think they're done with that storyline just yet. But no. I think for Lana, you have to have some justification for putting her through tables nine weeks in a row. Like, I'm sorry. Or, or it could just be the case of Nia Jax puts her in a, through a table at the start. Yeah, it could be something like that that she's going to wind up doing that. So I'm going to say Team Raw wins, but I'm going to say by default. Because it, it is possible for teammates to put each other through a table let's not forget uh there was the i think it was like the first year they did the raw versus smackdown thing in its current iteration where you had roman and seth on team raw and then uh the artist formerly known as dean ambrose aka john moxley was on smackdown and they helped put uh what was it randy orton through the uh table mm. so i mean it, it's possible it's, all, it's not all the roma thought it was yeah it. yeah but i i raw is gonna win this whoever the sole survivor is god i hope it's not lana yeah. Uh, switching over to the men's Survivor Series match uh, on Team Raw, you have Keith Lee, AJ Styles, Sheamus, Braun Strowman, and Matt Riddle uh, going up against Team SmackDown, which is Kevin Owens, Jay Uso, King Corbin, Seth Rollins, and a person yet to be determined. I'm going to say this will be Team SmackDown. Okay. I'm not going to say a sole survivor. I don't think this is going to happen. Raw has been putting this together with AJ Styles being the quote unquote captain, mm-hmm. and it's been a it's been an actual watchable storyline. Sure, uh, they're just kind of throwing everybody together where they're all in fighting, and they just had a match with Retribution of all teams, mm-hmm. and Retribution got the sneaky win, mm-hmm. so they've actually started winning, and they're trying to do something with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but looking at the SmackDown side. Jay Uso has been the breakout star from the Roman Reigns storyline. Uh-huh. He has been a legitimate main eventer. I hope they just push him as uh-huh. a baby face and let him build up a feud with Roman. I wouldn't even mind seeing him world champion. Okay. That's how much he's gotten over. Kevin Owens, King Corbin, kind of interchangeable parts at this stage. Yeah. Seth Rollins, we know, is going to be taking time off because That's... Becky Lynch is due in December, I believe. Something like that. And considering the fact that WWE just shared Becky Lynch's Facebook post of her maternity shoot she did with Seth. Yeah. So, like, they're real close. In the, she, she, you know, she's getting very far along in her pregnancy, so you know he, it's not long before he's gone. Right. So, I'll say for the to-be-determined SmackDown superstar, let's go out on a limb and let's throw something crazy in here. We had okay. a lock earlier. We'll have a leap. Adam Cole, baby. Oh, ooh. Ooh. That'd be a hell of a leap. I believe he is healthy. I think he's just doing the uh, in- injury angle on NXT. Could be. Because I haven't been able to catch up because, I'm sorry, the Pat McAfee storyline, yeah. I can only handle so much of. So I've, yeah. I've been a little... Could, could be uh, Finn Balor, too. He do, he is supposed to appear on uh, NXT this week with some sort of announcement or something going on. So Well, he did he did post a picture on Twitter oh, of he him, needs to stop teasing me with Adam this. Cole, and AJ Styles. The and, club. And Christ, please do that. 
just make it happen already, damn it. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take Team SmackDown here. Um, yeah. I, I'm yeah. not going to give you Survivors or anybody like that. So I'm going to take SmackDown too, but I think the sole Survivor will be Jey Uso. Just simply just simply because I think Raw's as, as stacked as they are between Braun, Keith Lee, AJ, Sheamus, and, and even Riddle. I think they're going to self-implode. That storyline's already there. That, that seed's already planted. Uh, and then over to SmackDown, you know, Kevin Owens doesn't necessarily need the rub right now. He is his own superstar. He is, you know, he... He's got his own momentum, you know. Doesn't really need it. King Corbin, no. Yeah. Seth, Seth Rollins uh, about to leave for uh, paternity leave, so you're not going to give the rub to him. Although you could send off or something, uh, you know. Unless it's somebody bizarre, like you mentioned, like an Adam Cole or a Finn Balor or something like that. I don't see it being the to be determined thing. So I think just with the progression and just as big and as over as the whole Roman storyline is, Jay would be the smart move, and 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 you could just write it into it, you know. You got this, the pay-per-view this Sunday, the following, uh, the night after uh, SmackDown. You can just have you have a backstage segment of Roman congratulating. Hey, listen, good for you. See what happens when you do what I told you to and you, and you follow the family way. You win. You look good. Did you ever win a Survivor Series match before that? Were you ever the sole survivor before? No. Now you're listening to me. Now you're, now you're the sole survivor. It's one way you can kind of look at it. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the Roman storyline has been the best thing WWE has done in, uh-huh. in, in a very long time. And I think that's leading into the main event now, too, as, yeah. we're, as we're talking. Because it's going to be Drew McIntyre, who just won the world title on Monday mm-hmm. against Roman Reigns. Yeah, and fun fact, with uh, that was the first time since the December 14th, 2015 episode of Monday Night Raw that the WWE Championship changed hands uh, on Monday Night Raw. Can you guess what the last the matchup was the last time that belt changed hands on Raw? 2014, you said? 2015. 2015. Mm-hmm. Cena? Nope. Hmm. Believe it took place in Philly. Rob Van Dam? Nope. Uh, Roman beat Sheamus. Oh, get out. That, that, was the, that was the one where Roman kept getting screwed over and screwed oh, over and screwed geez, over. Oh, jeez, yeah. So that was the year where like it started off at the at the Royal Rumble. He got booed yeah, out yeah, of the yeah, building yeah, yeah, in yeah, Philly, yeah. but then beat the hell out of Vince McMahon at the end of the year and won the belt back in Philly. That was, that was what it was. That was the last time the WWE Championship changed hands on uh, an episode of Raw. Man, I forgot about that whole storyline. It's been five years. Wow. And how much has changed since? Uh-huh. Roman storyline... Has been nothing but phenomenal pairing him with Paul Heyman. Mm-hmm. Drew McIntyre has definitely stepped his game up. Yeah. Uh, very interested to see how this plays out, but. Oh, no, I am too. Yeah. But I got to go with Roman on I, this. One. I do too. Yeah. I, I think he's just. He's he's the, he's the hot hand. He's the hot hand. He's the number one draw right now. He's the hot hand. And, and I kind of like how you can build the story in the all of less than a week now, but Drew can show up on SmackDown and listen, I faced evil, I faced darkness when Randy Orton and Buddy, you ain't faced anything like Roman. Yeah, and obviously Roman was saying, yeah, I hear you champion over there. Well, nobody's watching Raw anyway. They're watching me. Like I'm paraphrasing. not entirely wrong. I mean, yeah, it's 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 a very honest quote. Yeah. I mean, everything they've done with the storyline has been great, and obviously this will be a rematch between these two since uh, WrestleMania 35, I believe. I believe so. So it should be a fun night. Like I say, for Survivor Series, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Mm-hmm. Obviously, going on Sunday night, WWE Network, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. is the pre-show. We're not going to be streaming it on Twitch, okay? so we won't be doing the live reactions there as of right now. I mean, it could be card subject to change, but I believe that uh, at some point, uh, Rich, Diesel, and I are going to be doing a rewatch of The Undertaker's uh, 1990 Survivor Series Ooh. because obviously next week uh, is Thanksgiving, so we will not be doing uh, 607 TWS 
live. So we're going to be doing something else for that. So stay tuned to 607 Podcast social media for more information on that. But hit us up on the hashtag in the meantime, though. Give us your WWE Survivor Series picks and maybe your favorite Survivor Series moment over the years. Mm -hmm. So let's have that conversation, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. Time to round those bases and take the show home, Pad. Got to talk a little bit of baseball. Uh, just wrap up the awards that were handed out in the time since we recorded last week. Uh, for the Rookie of the Year in the American League, it went, went to uh, Kyle Lewis of the uh, Seattle Mariners. Uh, he is the became just the second rookie to lead his team in average home runs and runs and walks, uh, and he made a bunch of home run robberies that guy was like a mainstay on sports center holy crap yeah uh and then for the national league it went to devin williams of the uh, milwaukee brewers listen to this this is bonkers he uh struck out a record 53 percent of the 100 batters he faced had a era of 0.33 and a uh 0.0.090 batting average allowed uh, and became the first reliever to win rookie of the year since 2011 uh the rookie that year was craig kimbrell okay so congratulations to both of those gentlemen uh for the cy young over in the american league uh Shane Bieber uh, won it for the Ameri- in the American League for the Cleveland Indians. Uh, he was the fir- becoming the first unanimous choice in the American League since 2011. Uh, he dominated this year. Uh, he set, set an MLB record with a 41.1% strikeout rate, uh, recorded the lowest qualified ERA, 1.63, since 1969, Damn. and tying the lowest opponent's average for uh, with a 167 batting average since 1969. Uh, and then on the flip side, Trevor Bauer won it for the Cincinnati Reds. And interestingly enough, he became the first ever Cincinnati Red to win uh, the Nash, uh, Cy Young Award, which I could not believe. Uh, he led the National League in ERA with a 1.73 ERA uh, and then held his opponents to a 159 batting average and had two shutouts. He was second in strikeouts and then sh- had 12.3 uh, strikeouts per nine innings. So congratulations to them. Uh, and then for the mo- most valuable player, you had uh, where there it is, Jose Abreu of the Chicago White Sox win it for the American League. Uh, he helped the White Sox get to their first postseason appearance in 12 years, led the American League in RBIs with 60, second place in home runs, fourth in average. Uh, he, yeah, 60 RBIs in 60 games. Dude was hitting an RBI every game. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So as much as I would have loved you know, the machine, DJ LeMahieu, to win it, Absolutely well-deserved to Jose Abreu. Uh, and then in the National League, you had Freddie Freeman uh, win it for the national for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, you know, he had a great season with the Braves. Uh, led the Major League Major League Baseball in runs, second in on-base percentage, uh, and then and then was uh, very high in slugging with a 640 uh, slugging percentage. So congratulations to all of those gentlemen. Uh, postseason starts, nobody really signed yet, nobody really moving yet, but good goddamn Brian Cashman, if you're hearing this, re-sign DJ LeMahieu. Yeah, please. Facts. Please, uh, but we do have some uh, Hall of Fame news because the Hall of Fame uh, ballot and some of the new names got released just the other day uh, for the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. We're still waiting on Jeter to have his ceremony, which got pushed back to July of uh, this coming year, 2021, so we're waiting on that. But for the upcoming ballot, uh, some notable names returning. Kurt Schilling, Roger Clemens, and Barry Bonds are still on the Hall of Fame. Uh, Schilling was very close last year. Uh, he finished with 70% of the vote and was 20 votes shy of being voted into the Hall of Fame, so 
you know, if a betting man in guesses would say that he's more than likely to get it this year, uh, Clemens had 242 votes for 61% of the ballot. And then bonds had 241 for 60.7. So, you know, Lord knows they probably won't get it in because of the steroid use and what have you. So we'll yet to see with that. Uh, some other names uh, returning. Uh, you have Andy Pettit of the New York Yankees, of course, and with the Houston Astros on there. Billy Wagner, Todd Helton, Jeff Kent, Scott Rowland, Bobby Abreu, Andrew Jones, Manny Ramirez, Gary Sheffield, and Sammy Sosa all still on the ballot. Some notable uh, new names uh, added to the ballot this year. Uh, pitchers Barry Zito, Tim Hudson, Mark Burley, A.J. Burnett are all on the ballot for the first time. You also have uh, Tory Hunter is on the ballot for the first time. Uh, some other newcomers, you have Dan Heron, Latroy Hawkins, Aramis Ramirez, Michael Kadire, Nick Swisher, and Shane Victorino all on there. Uh, ballots uh, by the uh, Baseball Writers Association members uh, must be postmarked by December 31st, so sometime in January is when we'll find out. Any early predictions? Uh, I'm saying Clemens will likely get in, or not Clemens, uh, Schilling will probably get in just since he got so close last year. Um, but uh, it might be a one person year this year. You know, Omar Vizquel was in that mix too. He had uh, 209 ballots uh, for 52.6%. Man played for like 20 some odd years or something absurd. He played till he was like 45. Yeah. You know, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he eventually gets in, but this could be, this could be Schilling gets in or it could be a year. Nobody gets in. I got a feeling nobody gets in. I'm thinking the same thing. To be honest with you. It's one of those situations where there's not like, a superstar that's going in, mm-hmm. and it's good players, but not great. I right, mean, there's no real notable name. Yeah, so I can't really sit there in good conscience and, and say, like, okay, that guy's a lock. Yeah. I, you, there's a couple that could go with, like, Schilling could be one. Schilling could Pet, get in. Pettit's a dark horse to get yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. So 2022 is real interesting, though. I'm looking at baseballreference.com. Uh, Alex Rodriguez is on the ballot for the first time. Oh, that should be interesting. It's been five years, of course. Uh, Major League Baseball, you have to be retired for five years. Uh, A-Rod's on the ballot for the first time. You will also have Mark Teixeira and David Ortiz. Poppy, could I could see him get Poppy, in. Poppy, I think, will get in. Yeah, I think Poppy might get in. But uh, A-Rod. Yeah, it's hard to say. That's going to be something to watch. That's that's that's, that's going to be the test. That's going to be something to watch because it's not, it's not it's not as clear cut as Clemens and Bonds or or even Pettit to a degree because Pettit I think deserves to be in there. Yes, he was involved in the steroid scandal. He came out and admitted it though. He also has the most postseason wins I believe in Major League Baseball history. So Pettit should be in there, but but A Rod will be the real test. It also depends on what they're looking for, but you got to look at the postseason and you can't deny Pettit about that. No, not saying as a Yankee, like I can understand both sides of the argument. Sure. But I think if you got to choose somebody, he's got to be really looked at as consideration. Mm-hmm. So it'll be fun stuff to watch as we get into that. Yeah. Definitely want to check that out. Uh, a couple of quick things for my bases. Uh, one, we're talking wrestling. And since we are officially AEW Press, uh, shout out to them for allowing us to have some access. The Young Bucks have released their memoirs. Oh, yeah? Killing the business from backyards to big leagues. They're now... Uh, the book is on sale at wherever you pick up your books uh, on sale November 17th, 2020. Uh, to read a little quote that they said, Nearly 20 years ago, our father built us a wrestling ring in our backyard. Our journey to become professional wrestlers began here, said Matt Jackson. Then, after years of hawking T-shirts out of duffel bags at independent shows across the U.S., documenting our lives on a web series, filmed from our foams, and performing at the biggest events in Japan, we definitely land our dream jobs of a lifetime. So definitely check that out if you're into wrestling memoirs. I got to imagine they have to have some stories. Mm-hmm. I definitely want to 
pick this book up and take a read of it. Uh, so definitely go check that out if you're into wrestling memoirs. I think it's going to have a lot of good stuff that you'll be yeah. interested to hear about, especially just how they got AEW started. Mm-hmm. I think I really want to hear the behind the scenes for that. Uh, going into the UFC, though, switching gears, this past week there was a fight night going on in Vegas. And two notable things to talk about. Mm-hmm. One, possible knockout of the year candidate, Chaos Williams. I thought he absolutely killed the man. I'm not gonna I'm not trying to understate this. He landed one of the nastiest shots oh boy. I've ever seen on Abdul Razak Alsma mm-hmm. in the first round 30 seconds into it. Like if you watch the replay on it, Pat, he hits him straight and you see Abdul just go limp. Oh my like on the ground, not moving arms, anything. I like went, oh my god. God, mm-hmm. but luckily he was okay. So still a, a knockout worthy performance. Chaos Williams is now eleven and one, and then the main event is noteworthy for a couple reasons. Okay, Paul Felder stepped in on five days' notice. Oh, that's right. To fight Rafael Dos Anjos after Dos Anjos' opponent had to pull out for, uh, I believe, medical reasons. So. This was a five-day notice weight cut mm-hmm. to get on the scale. Felder was just uh, training for a triathlon. I say, if, if I read right, he cut like 14 pounds in like four days. Yeah. Or something crazy. It's, Don't try that at home. That's not healthy. No, it definitely isn't healthy. Dos Anjos got the decision when Felder was game. His striking has never looked better. I, I, I don't know what it was. No camp, and he just wasn't beat up. Whatever the case was, he definitely was in this, but Dos Anjos took him to the ground too many times, and it was a very back-and-forth fight. No shame in Felder losing, though. Like I say, to jump in on that short notice, come on. That's nuts. Yeah, a few fighters can step up and do that. Dos Anjos gets the win, though, and the rumor is he wants to finally have that fight against Conor McGregor. So does everybody else. Wait and see what happens there, but it was a good lightweight belt as predicted though once i heard these two guys got announced i was like okay this is gonna be something this saturday though is ufc 255 we will not be covering this on twitch.tv slash 607 podcast uh i'll be honest the card looks okay uh but nothing really is saying it's take my money now in my opinion your main events are both flyweight champions okay in the co-main which I'll, i'll be honest should be the main event okay Valentina Shevchenko is taking on Jennifer Maya. Uh, Shevchenko should run, should win this season. Yeah, uh, I'm nothing against Maya. Just Shevchenko is on that level. Uh, unless some dramatic upset shot ha- happens, I think it's going to be end still easy. But we'll see what happens. And then your flyweight title is Davison Figueroa, mm-hmm. your champion, 19 and one, taking on Alex Perez. 24 and 5, uh, Figueredo all day in this one, too. I, I think this one is pretty cut and dry. I'm not really seeing too much that would be considered an upset, but this is why you go watch the fights. Like I say, we, Absolutely. we will be doing the pre show, um, a preliminary card on twitch.tv slash 67 podcast. Brandon Roy Val is fighting. That's Coach's favorite fighter. Why? All right. Why? He's the one that broke Coach's streak of yeah, losing. This is true. So we're definitely be watching that and giving your predictions and then. Uh, like I said, we might have a recap uh, later in the week, depending on what's going on because it's a holiday week as well. So stay tuned to twitch.tv slash 67 podcast to find out what we're doing anyway. So mm-hmm. you, should be, you should drop that follow while we're doing it 
let's begin with. Enough said. Yeah. Enough said. Yeah. Now, Coach is not here, so he's going to have to post his locks and leaps on our Facebook page, which you'll be checking out. We are posting the results of where everybody is ranking in the 607 uh, podcast bracket. The one that we have the big online tourney with, uh, mm-hmm. yours truly is sitting pretty at number one. There you go. So can't argue that, but uh, it, was a, it was a tough week this week. Yeah. But nevertheless, Pad, let's get into the locks and leaps and takes the show home. Yeah, so for my lock, I'm going to be looking at the Dallas Cowboys and Minnesota Vikings game. Currently, Minnesota is a 7.5-point favorite, and I think they're going to be able to do that and all a lot more. Uh, Dalvin Cook running all over the place. Thielen catching all over the place so give me that one uh and then for my leap i'm looking over at the detroit lions carolina panthers game currently carolina is a one and a half point favorite at home uh from what i'm reading today it is light uh it's leaning like bridgewater might not play on sunday but mccaffrey will play so lord knows how that game is going to go for carolina but i think detroit's going to be able to pull out the win okay so my i'll do my leap first okay my leap is Aaron Rodgers going to face Phillip Rivers? Ooh. Green Bay is currently a two point two and a half point dog. Interesting. So uh, I think that's enough motivation for Mr. Rodgers to step up and uh, definitely throw all over the field. I think it should be a fun game. It'll be yeah. high scoring, but I like Green Bay in that one. And then for my lock, mark my words. If the Chargers choke a lead out to the Jets. You never pick the Chargers on anything. I know, and I feel like rolling the dice here. Holy crap. Because one of two things is going to happen. The Chargers are going to prove me wrong for the first time in history, or the Jets are going to be out of the Trevor Lawrence race. Either way, oh my Lord. I can't lose on this one since the Bills aren't playing. Chargers are nine and a half, or nine favorites, nine-point favorites. Oh, my Lord. So... Mark my words, if the Jets pull this off, I am the reason everybody else can thank me for Trevor Lawrence not appearing in the AFC East. Enough said. Enough said. And definitely keep in touch with the social media of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour for more information on who everybody is picking for the 607 Podcast Bracket. We post that every week on our Facebook page. And our Yahoo one, I usually drop a tweet out because we have the ranking for our group. And I don't like going through everybody because some have fallen off, some are still in a fight. Granted, it's not locked and loaded for me to win. Coach Duffy is two points behind me. Rich is hanging there from 3-5 Nerds. Colby Mack is in the hunt too as well. It's going to be a a photo finish coming down the wire pad. Mm -hmm. So stay tuned for that. So that all being said, the music you heard on this episode of the ODPH is that of Brian Wolf of Fair City Fire. He is doing his Patreon shows on his Facebook page every Wednesday. So where do you find out about that? The music section of OchoDuroPaleHour.com. You can go there and check out all the great bands you hear on the show, such as Shout of the Robots, Floodlands, Second Suitor, Tom Jolu, and so many more. You can also check out the directory, which has Friends of the Show, Organizational Link Support, and Black Lives Matter, all the amazing pod groups we are in via their pod chaser pages, and... Hashtag 607podcast. Shout out to everybody over at 8122 Productions. Got a lot of stuff going on on their Patreon. Got a lot of stuff going on on the website. Got a lot of stuff going on twitch.tv slash 607podcast. All of that and so, so, so much more at ochoduroparlayhour.com. That's all I got for this episode. So for the one and only Paddle 1J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.